Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound. This is Show Spoilers, episode 27. The uh, dulcet tones of show spoilers for Game of Thrones, season 8, episode 5. The Bells. Hey, we have a title. Hey! What do you know? So, and the reason that we have a title, and the reason why I sound like I'm Howard Stern right now, (laughs) is because I, hey now, the reason is I've been sick, I've been in bed literally since Sunday, I recorded my main podcast, Catella was coming down with something, and then I ended up getting like bronchitis, and I'm hopefully just turning the corner, but... I uh, wanted to get this episode recorded because I haven't even been able to talk the last three days. My throat's been so sore. So you will have Brad doing most of this episode, and I will chime in where needed. Oh, I'm sure boy. I have plenty to say. But, yeah, but Brad's going to have to take it away because, honestly, this is the most – talking to Brad now is probably the most I've talked in the last four days. So, but we're here for you, the listeners. Did not want to skip an episode, and I did not want to try to mash it all together when we're talking about the very final episode of the series – so here we are talking about episode five of the final season of Game of Thrones, season eight. And as I said earlier, it is called The Bells, and for very good reason. But we will get into that shortly. Um, I'm your host, Kevin Brackett. And as you already know, I'm joined by my co-host, Brad Hyen. Hey, how you doing? You feeling better? Oh. <laughs> yeah, as you can tell. It's been a long week. I'm, it, it has. I am so ready for the weekend. And again, I just I don't want to wake up tomorrow feeling worse. I really hope I'm getting over it. But uh, but you know what? It's always a good time to talk about Game of Thrones. So that should make me feel better, right? It should be a lot of fun. Or or the reason I'm sick is that Game of Thrones has oh, made me physically ill. No. <laughs> I'm too just far. kidding. Too far. I'm just kidding with you. It did not. It was not Game of Thrones. It may have been the double Ds, but it was not Game of Thrones. <laughs> no. Oh, oh we so just, many we jokes have, there. We have so... If you want... <laughs> <laughs> we have so we have so much fun online and people are the online is just crazy now at this point like i honestly i can hardly even go online to where people talk about game of thrones now because it's turned into such a crazy troll fest online like if you try to bring up a valid point people instantly troll you and if you you know to bring up something funny people get really defensive it's the cool like thing to do right now is is to hate on on the writers and even after how many years eight seasons and nearly 10 years of, of game of thrones that like a lot of people aren't happy with the direction or the the hastiness of the of the uh, the wrapping up the plot and so the the writers are in the crosshairs and there's so many memes and things floating around about them and it's i'm just i'm so sick of it like the, some of it is i've told several people who i've talked with that i'm i i get the criticisms and i understand completely when there's logic and legit concerns about you know the paths that some of these characters are taking or the direction that they're sending these characters but but it's just overwhelming right now and i'm i'm so sick of just D and D sucks so bad. The the worst villain in Game of Thrones is now the writers. Like, no, just stop. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely been played. Pre- I mean, it's now been three days since this episode, and there's already been tens of thousands of memes. <sighs> I feel like it's just insane. Yeah. But uh, before we get into this episode and everything that went down, quick shameless plugs. Of course, uh, follow us online, our social media at all the spoilers on twitter you can email us at the show spoilers at gmail.com the show spoilers at gmail.com and you can find uh, us online uh, you can just go to real spoilers and uh, join the league of show shares which is our discussion group where we talk about movies film entertainment everything in pop culture a lot of discussion threads on game of thrones lately but it is not a game of thrones only group so you're not going to get all the all the memes and all the hate and all that really it's just threads about the episodes and about these these podcasts 
podcasts and uh, related topics. So it's a good place to go chat and maybe find some movies and, and some like-minded folks. Yeah, so join people. us there. You can find me online on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And Brad, where can they find you? I'm primarily active on Facebook in that group, uh, The Real Spoilers League of Show Shares that Kevin just mentioned. But if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I am I have reactivated my account. It is Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N. You thought that his watch had ended on Twitter, but he's back. <laughs> I'm just, I don't use it enough to, to promote it, but that's uh, where you can find me. The blue priestess of Twitter has brought him back. <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, join us there online. And of course, subscribe, uh, rate and review the show. You know how it goes. It's it's helpful. People find us. Good reviews help that. So we appreciate everyone subscribing. And uh, you can go back and listen to our Westworld reviews, our Mr. Robot reviews. And then uh, in Mr. Robot, the next season, maybe the next one coming up. We don't have Westworld for another year. So uh, join us. We'll be doing something. Uh, we don't know what it is, but most likely Mr. Robot. So get caught up on that. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Uh, Brad, why don't you kick us off with uh, what's going on with Varys here? Yeah, um, beginning of the episode starts off with Varys. I made a, I, I didn't really make the prediction. Uh, my friend Gina made it that he was going to um, decide who was going to be on the throne, being as how the whole season, the whole series rather, he was, uh, you know, a very adamant about protecting the realm and working for the realm. And would you um, say he was very adamant? Very adamant. Yes, correct. Okay. <laughs> but uh, very good pun. Um, oh, yeah. was it a Varys good pun? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Am I going to have to say Varys every time we use Vary now? On this show. I guess so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it starts off with him talking to a young girl from the kitchen who we know is one of his little birds. And um, by the dialogue, you can kind of, um, if you have a keen sense of who he is and what he's done in the past, you can... Uh, put uh, two and two together and find out that he's trying to poison Daenerys. I completely missed this to my first viewing. Like yeah. I, I, after, after watching the episode and hearing people talk about it and then I went back and watched it again and it's all right there yeah. and it's very clever the way they disguise it. But you know, in my mind, I'm like, Oh my God, her, her best friend and confidant, uh, you know, uh, has, has been beheaded and she's traumatized and she's not eating. Like I'm, I'm all about like what's happening with Daenerys and I wasn't even thinking about their plotting. So well done on this. Yeah. He, uh, he was sending out Ravens, um, and I'm guessing in every direction he could before he got captured because he knew like he's been the one to say for the last several weeks that, you know, setting that doubt in Tyrion's mind that like we she's not going to be the ruler that you think she is and um at this point we we you know we had our speculations and everything but we don't we don't really know what's going to happen yet um if you're listening to this you do know what happens with Danny and King's Landing at the end of the episode so <laughs> but uh, I I will have to say that I believe this podcast of this season episode 1 I'm pretty sure that we predicted the quote unquote mad queen basically yeah. Daenerys going old testament on everybody so I will have to say that we did predict this and saw yeah. it coming from as the soon beginning. as as soon as Jon's lineage was revealed and you think about how Danny's drive has been motivated by her claim to the throne this entire series like you have to question you have to wonder what's going to happen when that's taken from her like everybody you know. and her interactions with the starks i mean yeah. with sansa and with Arya and, and with them and oh we're family and we have to stick together and i mean it was it's it's so foreshadowed of of what was to come and and i'm not saying in a bad way but it's just for the keen viewer for someone that studies the show talks about it like we did uh, you know it was pretty clear that Daenerys that they were building up for this reveal of you know they 
slowly over the seasons. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about all this as the absolutely uh, on the finale recap, especially. And, and when we're winding down the entire series, because, of course, this is the last episode coming up after this. But it's been foreshadowed throughout the series. And Daenerys has said that she will take, you know, take what is rightfully hers and fire, and fire blood. And, blood. And, yep. and uh, you know, and, and she's been slowly getting there, you know, whether it's conquering this little place and then setting these people on fire and then pinning these people up and it's just like over little by little but in the past it's all been people who we don't believe are innocent and so we let it slide you know it's like oh it's she's very cruel in her punishments but it's like oh but those people deserved it now what we're going to get into is a lot crazier but it's still she's always had the capability and she's always been fighting against her lineage and uh the targaryens are conquerors and that is what they do and so it's it's really it's it's all there and it's just starting to you know it's it's all starting to be revealed especially in this episode to the extreme so so we'll get there at the end Varys is sending out birds um to every direction that i guess we can imagine we don't really see where they're going but we see him writing the note talking about the true the true rightful heir to the throne is, is Jon snow or aegon targaryen and um we can only assume he's sending that to all the proper houses and everything anywhere he anywhere he can get the news out cuz i think he knows his his time his days are numbered and you see and he's Tyrion up on the rock watching this and i didn't yeah, really think yeah. anything of it until the second viewing because you know that's why i love watching a show or a movie twice to pick up on all those little things you know when they showed Tyrion at the beginning of that scene watching them i just thought oh he's watching john come and oh varys is down there and then you don't really see him again but now we know Tyrion's trying to decide what he's going to do because varys him in that last episode had this huge conversation kind of crazily out in the open like not very secretive at all about you know kind of turning on Danny yeah. and, and so now that and Tyrion has always been against that and he says I believe in our queen and he's against what Varys is trying to do uh, so now you see him watching and now it Varys once again is now trying to convince John to take the throne and so Tyrion has to decide whether or not to you know as hand of the queen to reveal this information and yep. you know we're about to find out what he does yeah he made his Tyrion's made a lot of mistakes um as of late and he, I mean he's been loyal to Danny regardless of the the information and the persuading that Varys has and, inf- and evidence that he's presented to Tyrion you know who he respects and and admires his mind you know through the whole series you know Tyrion and Varys always had a pretty special relationship even if they were kind of being catty at times but um Tyrion decides to go tell Danny um you know somebody betrayed you and she already knew I mean and she looks miserable too like the like the little raven said or the little bird tells Varys that she won't eat which is good for her because she would have met her demise had she been eating yeah two days they say she hasn't eaten in yeah, but she looked the worst we've ever is that we've ever seen her on the show. I think that, to my recollection, with you know just being pale and she's usually she has color. You know, I mean, and not that she isn't pale normally, just like yeah. we are in real life. But she usually has some color to her cheeks, and uh, she usually has her hair done in these elaborate braids. And this is the first time we've really seen her hair unbraided and not just unbraided, but I mean like fr- like frizzing at the end. It's yeah. it, it's just she's very disheveled looking and. It may be a little bit of that maybe, you know, Masandi 
did her hair. I mean, she was her like hand. I don't know if you'd say handmaid, but I mean, she was her Trust- confidant yeah, exactly. and, and advise not advisor, but she was her you know her her number two. And yeah, so it was her only uh, female right uh, con- so, consultant too. Yeah. So not only did she lose her best friend and confidant, but also probably the person that helped get her dressed and braided her hair like you can't do those kind of braids by yourself like right. you know it's just so 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 anyway it's obviously it's not all about oh her hair doesn't look good but it's no, just no, to no, show no. you that usually Daenerys is someone uh, very confident and a person of power and very energetic and and so yeah she's as you said the weakest we've ever seen her yep. uh, and but she is on the cusp of losing everything I mean until this I mean and and, it, and she is going to lose everything by the end of this episode but yeah, at this point she's right there like you know, Masandi and the love of the people, as you see, people don't respect her. And, and she's starting to wonder, you know, not only has she lost her um, her right to the throne or her claim because someone else is above her, but it's like John, her love, is is he going to stand by her? And it's already been kind of wavering and, and right. we'll get there, but it's not <laughs> looking good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she looks weak. She's dealing with, you know, losing Jorah and Masandi and two back-to-back episodes there. And she's at, like you said, her weakest that we've ever possibly probably seen her and um she moves on um to um basically Varys gets toasted by by drogon and execution style okay with uh complaint number one. Oh god this is the most dramatic we have ever seen a dragon act i did not like this when she says dracarys the dragon flames whoever she's looking at this dragon like it came out of the shadows he was nowhere to be seen so the scene starts off at like dusk it's still kind of light out the dragon is nowhere then they cut again and it's pitch black so i guess the sun just went down but the dragon's there and comes from behind her and she very slowly says jacaris and the dragon's like huffs and it puffs and it goes forward and then it it, it, (laughs) it's they have never in this series built up like that so i mean the dragon doesn't know how to be dramatic she says dracarys and it follows the order so i thought it was silly i just didn't like it that bothered you we've never seen that it was just silly why was the dragon being dramatic about he wouldn't he would have just been doing his job they did it to play up like wow this is very sick character you've seen for eight seasons he's gonna die now and we don't want it to be over in one second but it's i don't think of it that way like i i understand it but like i've i never when thinking about the episode would have thought man that was way too dramatic for a drag you know it's just like your perspective on it is 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 new to like the way that i would have watched the scene initially I i probably never would have looked at that scene and been like why is the dragon taking so long in doing it it didn't but, <laughs> make the, it didn't ruin the episode, but it yeah. was silly. I thought it was it was stupid. So at the end of the episode, I think it's at the end when they go back and talk about the episode and they re-edit it for their little recap. They're like they do the sound effects. They go Dracarys in the flames. Like they even edit their own scene because it was it would have been ridiculous to wait that five seconds sure. to have it happen on the recap. So again, it's a small complaint. I just thought it was silly. Maybe I mean just like I think John and Danny's magic carpet ride in the first episode was silly. <laughs> These are things that again I'm not saying ruin it i'm just right. they're, they're silly things where it's like ah, i don't know why they did that so maybe i'm alone here but i don't know why the dragon did that but yeah varus is toast uh varus toasted i guess you should, yeah. I should say in a nice moment between him and Tyrion, obviously Tyrion didn't like turning varus in yeah and, t- and yeah i wrote that down too Tyrion goes up to him to talk to him you know his last words to tell him you know at least give him the uh satisfaction of knowing it was him that that ratted him out well i but, mean yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how satisfying any of that he info felt like he was doing I, the, you know what I mean though. But like, 
he probably knew already, but Tyrion gave him the respect in telling him, hey. Yeah, I, I guess I'm you sorry. can look at it that way, for sure. I mean, what this shows us, I think, is how loyal Tyrion is, right? How good of right. a person Tyrion is. Because this is someone, like you said, who they have they have survived together this whole series and, you know, narrowly escaped certain things and they've helped one another and they've had this very close relationship and for Tyrion to betray Varys, someone who he thinks very highly of, that is a big deal. And so what that does is it really shows that even though he cares about Varys and respects him, he will not let anything get in the way of his queen and her, her throne. And so yeah. he really does believe in her. Uh, and I think that's also what's going to make what what's to come so much harder because Tyrion is not going to be able to help but to feel responsible for what he's created right. here. Yeah, he picked the wrong side. I mean, he they've been really pushing the the loyalty narrative for Tyrion this season. You know, with the, his conversation with Varys last episode, where he's like, "Don't you ever feel like or feel like you just need to put your loyalty into someone and stand by it." And then that's what he's trying to do with Daenerys, but he sees the horror and everything that happens later on. And, and it, it's just, it's a, I think there's a rough road ahead of Tyrion for Tyrion again for the umpteenth time in this finale that, uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good for Tyrion, and I no. definitely know that he's dealing with a lot <laughs> with all these bad decisions. But yeah. but uh, anyway, we will move forward for now. Next scene uh, involves Danny and Grey Worm remembering Masandi. Um, they got one of uh, the last remaining item I think of hers that they had was like her shackle that he, she was freed from. I think and, she said that's her only item she owned, and it was yeah that, the only thing like, they brought over the sea uh, yeah to Westeros was that was that shackle and. Danny handed over to uh, Grey Worm, who had feelings for her and wanted to leave, just leave everything for her. And he uh, took a moment to look at it and then just threw it in the fire, um, which was kind of a symbolic. The thing about Grey Worm, which is really interesting in this episode, as is I really feel like Grey Worm's kind of gotten away from who he who he has always been over the last yep. couple of seasons with his relationship with Masandi. I mean, Grey Worm and the Unsullied are killers. They are yeah. born and raised and trained to be killers. Emotionless that's all, killers. That's yeah. all they care about. Yes, exactly. I mean, they're eunuchs. They don't, they don't want them to lust after anything. They don't want them to care about women. They care about death and destruction and fighting and fighting for their, their master, their king, their queen, whoever that is. And so the fact that Grey Worm has become actually a character and, and, be, and it, you know, gained a personality and then been, been in a relationship with something so foreign for an Unsullied, you know, it's very surprising that he, he would even get to that point and telling a joke in the last couple episodes. Like, those were all neat little moments, but they're so mm -hmm. unlike and unsullied. And so this episode and what's to come really reminds you of what he is. And it's unfortunate because, of course, I'm sure we all enjoy the Grey Worm that was with Masandi. I'm sure he's not a stone-cold killer. He was someone that actually loved and was compassionate. But really, this is just him showing who he is. It's he obeys orders and he listens to his king or his queen. And whatever they say to do, he does. And he does it brutally. And yeah. so that that's who Grey Worm is, and that's who the Unsullied are. So this isn't like a character turn for Grey Worm. This is a character revelation. It's it's who he is. So uh, as you said, he's he throw when he throws that in the fire. He's angry. He's solemn. He's just he is he's pissed, just like Danny is. Yeah, and it's a it's a clue as to what's to come. Um, I mean, it makes a lot more sense after you see the whole episode because 
like his loyalty to Danny is is unwavering and mm-hmm. um yeah like he's the one who on the ground forces later on when when stuff goes down like he initiates unneeded combat to you know just out of pure emotion to and loyalty to Danny so I saw a headline that I thought was really good where they they talked about this episode and they said it's not business it's personal <laughs> which I really liked that headline because yeah. it's perfect it's it really is what this is I mean business is is uh, capturing the throne that's all they care about sieging the city claiming the throne and getting the enemy to surrender right that's business right. once you do that your business is taken care of but this is personal so and sure. that's what we'll be talking about the last whole half or two thirds of this episode. It's personal. Yep, and it just uh, escalates from from here all the way through the whole episode. I and mean, I I really enjoyed the episode. So John comes in and uh, and starts talking to Danny about being you know his queen, you know, and um, she's she's talking about how everybody just loves loves him, and she ultimately like they start making out, and then how she, awkward was this? this yeah, it so was just awkward. like like a a power play kind of like I, I I didn't know how to take it at first, but when she finished off and and said that let them have fear or let it be fear that uh, that she rules with, I, I wish I wrote down the whole quote or at least watched it again before before the cast, but um. Yeah, she says, let it be fear. And you know, like, since we've been talking about it since the beginning or the beginning of this season that she was going to descend or snap into, I don't want to say descend because she she pretty much snaps at the end of the episode or the middle of the episode. But I think she fought against it for a long time. So let's get this discussion out of the way first, because I I think it's very important to clarify. Danny's father, Ares Targaryen, I believe, he was known as the Mad King. He was crazy. He was mad. He was literally crazy. He saw visions. He thought people were, you know, betraying him when they weren't. And and obviously some people do eventually. But, I mean, he was literally crazy. He was the Mad King. And then he burned everybody. So when we say that Danny, when we predicted she would go Mad Queen, we're really just talking about her her Targaryen conquering blood. We're talking about her take no prisoners blood and fire attitude i do not think that danny is crazy like her father maybe you disagree but i do not think she's mad i don't do think, think she's crazy no i think she thinks she's justified in in her actions and she she's only had like she hasn't the only targaryen that she really grew up with throughout the season was her brother and that was only season one but like she doesn't have like any guidance like lineal guidance from from anybody in her families and um I guess you can include John in the later seasons, but, <laughs> but, uh, but he didn't even know, and he wasn't yeah. raised as a Targaryen. I know, anyway, sure. So. The, the common quote was, and I, and I think they even called back to it in uh, the preview for this episode or sometime this season, that when they, they say that when a Targaryen's born, born, they flip a coin as to whether or not, because they're going to be you know mad with power or, or just genuine good people. And I think Danny is still like on a spinning coin. You know what I mean? Sure. No, I I, like not all Targaryens are, are that power, you know, power hungry, you know, Rhaegal, her, her brother, the one John's dad was never, you know, the kind of, he, he didn't want the throne or anything. He was more like John and not power hungry and anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to get that out of the way because a lot of people are saying that Danny is when they they're saying mad queen like she's crazy. And so I never have thought of it like that when we predicted. And I'm sure because we said it probably all season when I said that she was becoming her father and becoming the mad queen. I really meant more like she's going to 
and we and we again Snap. you could quote us on yeah. this we said it she will do whatever she can she will not let anything get between her and the throne and yeah. if that means killing starks if that means killing innocents if that means killing people she knows whatever that's what we meant like and then kind of layman's terms you say wow they're crazy so she's not really mad she's not crazy like her father but again she's been building up towards becoming a conqueror and she's been fighting and struggling against that her entire life in these entire eight seasons. And so at the end of this episode, she makes that decision. But as Brad so eloquently put, (laughs) she is that spinning coin. She really is. And I don't believe that that coin slams onto the desk and reveals what side it is until that very moment that she makes the decision she's she's been building up toward it and she says she's going to rule through fear but i still think fear is flying in there roasting all these guards breaking the castle walls down all that that still incites fear into people you don't have to then go above and beyond it's just i think that she meant i'm going to rule through fear and be intimidating with my dragon but not i'm going to go full conqueror full full fire and blood and so what very says echoes what uh, Cersei said earlier in the series. Every time a Targaryen's born, they flip a coin. And very says that again, which is more yeah. foreshadowing. So it's a great callback and great foreshadowing of things to come. But but I'm with you. It's still spinning at this point. And she she doesn't ever go crazy. I think she just realizes that she's alone. She has no followers. She has no one loyal to her. Yeah. Everyone that she knows and is trusted has betrayed her or been or died. Jorah's died. Sir Barristan has died. All, all the... John too. Like Tyrion's in that talk with Tyrion. That like just the fact that she didn't want anybody to know about John's lineage, and uh, Tyrion knew. Varys. I mean, she found out Tyrion knew, and Varys knew, and she knew that John told Sansa and Arya as well. Like, like that news spread really fast, and, and that's why like, she says John betrayed she feels me. Betrayed by everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she says John, and he's like, no, Varys. But he's like, but who told? Who told Varys, you know, and it's yeah. like, but, or how does Varys know? I, you know, you told Varys, but he told Sansa and, you know, Sansa, this is a win for her. And ultimately by making that claim is she's claiming that it's John's fault. Cause John's the one that told Sansa, right. Sansa told Tyrion, Tyrion told Varys. I mean, look how it's gone down the line. So, I mean, this all comes back to John because Sam didn't tell anyone except for John and it's interesting. I mean, really what it all comes back to is John. And so I think it's, it is kind of a power move kind of alluding to what you mentioned earlier, but by her putting the blame on anyone else, really that all lies on John. And I think John's definitely feeling the weight of it. So as, uh, as bad as, uh, Tyrion feels or as, you know, as bad as, yeah, Tyrion's feeling responsible for, for various and all that. It's like, well, she's pretty much saying, you know, John, you can't tell anyone. You went and told people, and look what happened, exactly what I thought would happen. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah, she's mad, and she feels betrayed. And, uh, you know, it, what? It was prophesized that she would be betrayed by love. And so I can't help but to think that that's John, right? I yeah. mean, uh, no. Well, I think else... that ultimate, <laughs> I think that's part of it. But I think the ultimate betrayal of love is coming next episode, and we'll 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 get into that. Well, yeah, well, I mean that's still to be determined. But but yeah, yeah I don't think yeah him telling Sansa was it. But what I mean is that I think ultimately sure. it is going to be John, just like you yep. do. Yep. Um, you know, people were thinking, oh, is it going to be Jorah? Or so you know, we were kept speculating who's it going to be. But in the end, and there's one episode left. I think there's, I mean, there's who else could be the love right now? The only people 
person that is in love with her is John. And yep. but yeah, so the the main thing takeaway here is that John is not feeling romantic towards Danny anymore. And and when before that kiss, she says he says you're my queen, and she says is that all I am? And then she starts trying to make out with him, and it's the most awkward scene. Yeah. And in the end, he ends up pulling away, and that's when she says, see, "He's still, he's got his family ties still. Like he, it, like you just said, it's weighing on him. Where like he's just unsure. He's he's the most honorable person in the show, probably. Well, besides Brienne, but like he's always stayed like true to himself the whole time, and he he knows based on Sansa and and Arya specifically telling him in the first episode, like remember who your family is because." You know, there's that tension that they've been building up between the Starks and, and Danny through this whole season. And yeah. that, you know, trying to make out awkwardly with her now is like, God, my, my family's pulling me away from this. But, you know, I feel I'm in love with you, you know, so it's it's kind of tragic. Yeah, it's it's definitely tragic because obviously they fell in love before they knew that info. And, right. and so it's it's uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's not the same as Jamie and Cersei, which I think is just gross. But that's they, <laughs> they obviously knew what they were getting into. And so I don't feel the same tragedy there. But, geez, with right. John and Danny, it's like they had a good thing going for a couple seasons. And, sure. you know, now all of a sudden it, the rug is pulled out from you. And then not only is it a relation thing, but it's like, oh, wow. And now I have the claim to the throne that's the only thing this other person cares about like right, what a yeah. what a struggle and so that pull away though and then her saying then it's fear i mean that was that was her ultimate decision to rule through fear and yep. then we're gonna see how far she takes that very much we are very smutch we are yeah <laughs> good job but, uh, yeah we move on to Tyrion um begging danny not to burn down king's landing um because he knows that she wants to to rule in fear. He basically sell um sells it as like we're going to get them to ring the bells and that means that they surrender. When you hear those bells, you back away. That means the war is won and the king's landing is yours. He begs for that and she finally yeah. only by a little nod to Grey Worm where she's looking at him and just like I've listened to you and listened to you and you've been wrong almost every time. Yeah. She's like, I'm so sick of your stuff. But she, she, she just gives a nod to Grey Worm and Grey Worm, which, you know, looking back in hindsight, I don't know if that nod was a like, yeah, let's try that. Or if she's like, yes, what we've talked about. Right. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, I'm kind of reading it differently now, but at the time you thought, okay, good. She's actually going to listen to him. That's the one thing she will do if, if it goes down like that. Yeah. And in that same exchange, we learned that, uh, Jamie was caught, who was on his way back to King's Landing to be with Cersei after breaking Brienne's heart last episode. Jamie was caught, uh, um, somewhere heading South. So, so frustrating. Yeah, like just so just so frustrating to throw another monkey wrench into the plans and not that it not that we need everything to go just hunky dory for our characters but it's like oh now he's been caught so as they're going to king's landing for this big final battle to take down cersei it's like now we got to worry about oh jamie's captured and who's going to break him out Tyrion. but now Tyrion's betraying danny and if jamie was never captured he would have had more time to go to king's landing and probably would have made it to cersei and you know it's like this whole other monkey wrench that was thrown into the situation which yeah. I, I wish that it could have been avoided just to avoid some of that but here we are and we're dealing with it and Tyrion ultimately as he's done like every single time Jamie is is the only person that ever really truly loved him and was nice mm -hmm. to him and they have this great dramatic uh, 
conversation. Great scene. I mean, it's yeah. fantastic. Uh, the, the both both the acting and and it's really well written. So after that nice conversation, he breaks him out, and and Jamie even says, "I mean, I th- I truly think this is the foreshadowing for the next episode. Now, whether or not he can execute it, maybe someone will save him or jump in, but he but Jamie says that she'll you know kill you for this." And, right. Yeah. And so, and he plays the role. Maybe if if someone if if someone can uh, avoid bloodshed and get get her throne that she wants, that she'll show mercy. But obviously, we know how things go down. So I don't know. I ultimately think that what's going to happen next episode, jumping ahead, is Danny will find out that Tyrion let Jamie escape, and that will be her reason to, you know, because well, because she even says too. Remember, uh, the next time you fail me will be your last. Right, and at this point, she doesn't know that Jamie's gone yet. But yeah, what... but I think next episode when it comes to fruition, yeah. So at this point he says try to convince her that it's better to live and save your baby and surrender than to die there and so that's what we're hoping jamie is going to go do i mean for anyone that cares about them or whatever it's like okay talk some sense into her go rescue her let's avoid the bloodshed at this point i don't care that jamie uh, jamie and cersei live a life together like i after breaking brienne's heart like the whole thing about jamie i'm gonna get into this now since this is what i've been going into on facebook for the last four days is that (laughs) is that yeah we start the whole series watch like with jamie knowing about the incest with cersei and and just knowing how big of a kind of a douchebag he is i mean great great knight great warrior but he pushes bran out the window and we know he's a scumbag dude right yeah, i mean he started this whole thing he started the whole war with with the starks and the lannisters and it's well that helped do it but like what Littlefinger really started he tried it, but... to he tried to kill ned stark he pushed right, bran yep. out a window all uh, these all irredeemable I mean, we, things we hated, just in season one he is we the, hate the guy hated him and and yeah yeah it's only recently he's slowly been earning our trust back really it was once he lost his hand when he was uh, captured and then when he uh, protected brienne and stood up for and her and got his hand cut off it was almost like I don't know if the, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but it was almost like he was neutered a little bit. Like when he had That's his exactly right. when he, when he had his hand taken away, he's a crappy warrior now. Like let's not yeah. mistake it. It's amazing he was able to survive that episode three, but whatever he did. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that he has been able to survive this long with one hand, like it's not his sword hand. He had to learn how to hold a sword with his other hand. Um, he's a terrible fighter. And so what was the one thing about Jamie Lannister? He was the head of the King's guard. He was an amazing knight, like you said. And so when yeah. you take that away from him, he was quote unquote neutered. He lost a lot of what made exactly. him Jamie Lannister. And so what do you do when you can't rely on your strengths is you have to compensate, you have to find new things. And so really he's found this redemption arc through and, and become a better person and helped Brienne and done all this other stuff that you're, you know, that you're leading up to and, here. But it was only recently. We hated yeah, the guy for what, a long time. Exactly the point that you made. What people have to remember is that he was forced into this redemption arc. It's like sending an addict into recovery. Like if they don't check themselves in. Like I don't think Jamie would have ever changed his ways if he wasn't captured. If he didn't have his hand cut off, you know, and spend that time with Brienne. Like he, his redemption arc, organically developed where we started caring about him. I think that he was he was portrayed brilliantly i think that he was written really well like to go from hated to hopeful that he gets a happy ending I, like i started watching the show before i read the books and and our friend blake he said he said 
I mean, I was like, I hate Jamie so much. And he goes, Hey, don't worry. Like, like he comes around in the books. And I said, are you yeah. kidding me? Are you kidding me? I despised right. him that much. I mean, he was willing to kill murder, do anything for Cersei for and, Cersei. and, and he really lived up to it in the end. But that is, that was his mentality. I'm with you a hundred percent. If he was not and, forced into it and we don't say forces in bad writing or anything. No, it was, right, or, it right. was an organic character. Uh, arc that he went on and so no the writing was fine but what I, what we mean is that if he wasn't put in that situation he would have stayed by Cersei he would have killed whoever got in their way and he would have kept on murdering and, and betraying people and he would have not done the honorable thing right and what I've been comparing it to um, is just he he's an addict and, and what I've been saying is he's an addict Cersei's his drug and ultimately at the end of the series or the penultimate episode this season he relapsed and he realized that I I got or I guess it was in episode five that or episode four that he did, made that decision. But he he spent the night with Brienne, the only other woman that he's been with that that I know of. Um, and and Cersei was what his mind was on, and he went back to his drug, and and ultimately what we'll find out later on is he gets crushed by the castle that they're trying to escape from. So, um. Like I, I just a lot of people are saying it's character assassination for him to just go back to Cersei. But like what I, what we've seen throughout the whole series is he's not a good person. He's trying to be when he's forced into this this arc. Excuse me, but ultimately, like he 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 relapsed. He's an addict, and and he he couldn't get away from it. Like that final test with Brienne. What I that fine that one night with Brienne, I think, is like his final test as to whether or not he can overcome his drug and he, he failed to do it. Yeah. And, and it's not a matter of what's right or wrong. And we're not saying anything like that. I mean, this is just who Jamie is. And yeah, to yeah. say it's character assassination is the furthest thing from the truth. This is who Jamie Lannister is. What you've seen is what you've seen of him turning his life around and his redemption. That's not Jamie Lannister. I mean, it's great that he was there's, trying. There's hope that he's going to be great, you know, and that's what people are latched onto. But he they're just disappointed that he fell back into it but it's it's not something that they just wrote poorly like it's it's a reasonable direction his character would go at at, at the end we're all for good jamie lannister we loved him we started to root for him when he became better we all like that about him but but again the jamie lannister that's true to heart is not an honorable person it's a person that will kill lie cheat steal slay a king yep. uh, throw a kid out murder of a kid that's jamie <laughs> lannister and it's unfortunate because he was on the road to redemption but in the end like you said he relapsed and that is not character assassination that's who he is uh and and it's and it's just it's unfortunate i for all the things that i think are wrong with this final season i think the final season has a lot of flaws but i know yeah. ne- i never complained about jamie because it makes sense we we if you followed the show and watched it you understand these things and it's not building it all up just to throw it away no i mean it's that is the more believable thing because how crazy is it to believe that Jamie Lannister could actually change? Like that was right. the unbelievable part other than wow, he's forced to now and, and sure maybe it's for the better, but, but yeah, it, it is a little unfathomable, but uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, the Jamie Lannister thing, no problem there. I have more problem with the Dracari's dr- dramatic dragon than, <laughs> than I do with Jamie yeah. Lannister turning. Now, do I like it? No, I hate it. When he did, right. like you said, when he did that to Brienne, it's heartbreaking. I hated him for it. When Brienne cries, we all cry. I'm not a Jamie Lannister fan anymore. Like he gained, <laughs> he took him five or six seasons to make me become a fan after hating him. Now I'm not a fan anymore. Right. So like, right. You have to, 
draw the line. There's a complete difference between being disappointed in a character, being disappointed in what happens in a show and the show being bad for what it does. Those are two completely different things. The the writers do not call you up and ask your opinion and say, (laughs) what would make you happy if I did this in the show? I just think at this point, people are looking for things that are making them upset and they're automatically saying the show's terrible because they do these things. And, and even when they're reasonable, people are getting upset about it and that's not the right way to be like the things that i criticize are writing or motivation or plot armor putting the characters in impossible situations and having them survive like they've done all season i hate that stuff it's ridiculous it makes me mad but when you're talking about a character who is being true to their character that's not a writing problem that's a that's a you didn't get your happy ending problem and and that's not bad writing that's that's again we can be disappointed but that doesn't mean it's bad right there are many great tragedies and stories out there and a tragic ending doesn't mean a bad story right right yeah and i think i'm really interested in what how george is going to finish the books if he ever does because i i truly think you know being how hastily this you know these last two seasons have been pushing the pace and everything i really think i mean they hit the plot points the main ones like the burning of king's landing and uh john's lineage and stuff like that the bullet but points. i think they hit the, yeah, bullet, the bullet points, points and there's a lot of stuff in between i those think the points. book the book endings as much time as he spends on these books or that he's spending on these two, at least yeah. um, like it's going to be completely different. Like I, I, you know, it's possible Jamie does get a full redemption in the books. You know, I would be willing to bet he doesn't, I want to be careful how I word this now because, <laughs> because people take these things very literally now. And so it isn't character assassination, but I, I don't think that they're going to turn him bad again. I mean, you never know, but I felt like he was really truly on the road. And I think, I know this is confusing and I know that we're getting into a lot of stuff, but it's important because there's so much hate out there and I think so much unfounded hate. So here's the deal. You can hit these bullet points. And so they knew that they wanted Cersei to die. We had to have Cersei die. I thought for a second, when you talk about um, something coming out of left field or, you know, subverting expectations that, Oh, maybe Cersei will win this. I was starting to get really worried, but I'm glad it didn't happen, so we can be happy that Cersei's dead. Spoilers, you've all seen this. She dies. So that's a bullet point. And I think what happened is they they got so rushed and decided, we've got other stuff to do. We're wrapping this up in six episodes. Whether you like it or not, it's over, right? So how do we get there? And that's the problem. That is the ultimate problem of season eight is not where we end up. It's how they got there. And so yeah. six episodes, they had to figure out, winter is coming. How do we defeat the Night King? Cersei's on the throne. How do we kill Cersei? Danny needs to turn into a conqueror and become the villain. How do we take out Danny? Well, now we have one episode to figure that out. So think about how rushed that is. All these things had to happen, and now they have to go, holy crap, we have six episodes to do it. How do we do it? So they think, who do we have? Okay, we have Jamie. Okay, so what can we do? We can have Jamie go and you know try to comfort her or whatever so they get this loose end tied up jamie will figure out where he or who he truly is and then with cersei we can have their moment together you know so i think that they did that to jamie to wrap up his story that to give her some comfort so people could feel sympathy for her not that i do personally but i know a lot of people did so obviously it was somewhat effective um they had to make all (laughs) these decisions and change what characters did so they could hit those bullet points and so that is you know i'll leave it at that but the main problem with this season is it being condensed. I'm very yeah. frustrated at D and D for this because it is their fault. They've said it in interviews. I'm not going to blame anyone else. They said in interviews, HBO wanted more episodes. HBO wanted more seasons. They would have had it go on forever. And we said, 
we want it to be 76, about 76 hours. That's how many episodes it's going to be. And that's what yeah. it is. So they had an out time. They were like 10 years. We're done with this. We got other stuff to do. And sure. I'm thankful they adapted the series. They did a great job, but rushing this ending ha- is the cause of all this and, or most of it, I should say, obviously it's not the whole thing, but if they could have like in a perfect world, 10 episodes, the pacing with it, with it stretched out and maybe not having so many characters do things that seem hasty or make uh, turns that seem out of character, they would have seemed more organic if they had the time to let them play out naturally. So um, yeah. Does that make sense how I'm saying that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, uh, it's frustrating. Okay. And so I, I'm very irritated at them. Again, thankful for all that other stuff. But I understand the frustration. I think fans are weaponizing it in kind of a crazy way, which I don't agree with. But at the end of the day, them condensing these seasons was a terrible, terrible choice for the legacy of this show. And now this final season, no matter if they stick the landing or not, is always going to be remembered and always going to be reference to all this animosity and the way that it ended. So it's very unfortunate for one of the greatest yeah. television shows in the history of television and film. I mean, this has been an amazing production with thousands of people working around, you know, and, and all over the world. It, it, it's, it's just a shame. And um, it's, it's anger and it's sadness, it's disappointment. I mean, just overall for this final season, it's it's very frustrating because, you know, just think about that. Six episodes, and sure, it was probably $20 million an episode or whatever, it was a lot of money. Would four more episodes be $100 million more million? Maybe. But that $100 million, what does that equate to when it comes into losing fans and, you know, not selling the additional merchandise that people now won't buy and maybe people not taking to the spinoffs or having as many spinoffs? You know what I mean? Like like this, sure. this one decision to condense this season is going to domino effect into tons of things that are related to the legacy of this show. And so I firmly agree that that, that decision to condense this season was the ultimate mistake for this series and it's been a great show up until now truly a great great show i wouldn't think i don't think any less of it like i i mean i at least in regards to where you say it's been a great show up until now like i'm still thoroughly enjoying it but i i i, I see the flaws that yeah. you know everybody else sees i'm just i try it to, can be good i i just don't think yeah. it's great i mean great when i yeah. mean i mean 10 out of 10 amazing jaw-dropping all-inspiring you know perfect screen i mean there's a reason why you have people knocking the episode and i don't mean just the extreme people i mean critics being so polarized on it i mean game of thrones has never done this before like there's a reason for it it's not because they're all crazy i mean there there are problems with this season when i say that i don't mean that the show is bad now i'm just saying it was great it was the best like it was the best thing out there and now i would not point to this season if i was teaching a writing class I would not point to this season as the prime example, would you? I, I guess when you put it that way, probably not. But no. maybe the earlier seasons, right? <laughs> season five? Yeah. Go watch season five. Look at this great construction. Look at this character development. Look at this writing. Look at the production. It's unfortunate because I think an extended season, I mean, coulda, woulda, shoulda. It, we can't change it. But I, yeah, I just wish the books were done like when they started to adapt, like when the show went into production. So they, they had more to more plot points to connect to the finale here and then maybe have a better overall plan and maybe they anticipated the books being done by now or maybe you know like i i i really can't but i i don't know there's so much you know information that's floating around out there that you know false information too there was a story this week that that books six and seven are done and hbo cracked a deal with george not to release them until the show was over and he quickly debunked that 
Yeah, it's you know, I, yeah. I don't believe there's I, so much out there. That, I right. only believe that's why I go straight, uh, as I call it, straight to the pale mayor's mouth when I get this information. <laughs> uh, I don't believe all that crap. There's so many bad rumors out there. You can't listen to it. But I mean, yeah. I try to always chase down these these sources and figure out if they're true or not. And so I, it's just, it, this may just be my opinion and maybe there's a lot of people that agree. Maybe a lot of people disagree, but I don't, I don't believe it's George's fault. I think he, George is very heavily involved with the show. I, it's been said time and time again that he met with them. He told them how he wanted it to end all this stuff. I, I think it's just rushed. I think they knew exactly how it was going to end. I think George probably told them how to get there too. But George, in expressing his disappointment in an interview, and I don't have the citation on it, but this was a direct interview with George. He said that that uh, he is a little disappointed with the way that it went. I'm paraphrasing now. Uh, and he said that uh, I would have liked to have seen it the way that I had planned out, which is what I believe he discussed with them. Write it, please. But, but, the, but <laughs> then but then he said that uh, he said it would have they would have needed another season or two to do it. So that's the problem. I yeah. think he told them. And they said, no, our hard out is 76 hours. Our hard out is eight seasons. So, so again, this is my point. I'm not going to blame George because that does, yeah. then it doesn't matter if he wrote the books or not. If he tells them and he says, here's your outline, here's 10 seasons, this is what you need to do to tell the story, and they decide to go with eight, that's not George's fault. So I know that it's, sure. you know, it's always easy. I to- actually watched a video on Reddit sometime this week, too, where he was promoting uh, Clash of Kings, and he was talking about uh, – uh, this was before they ever had the rights. He ever sold the rights to to his his uh, content because yeah. he was talking about Lord of the Rings. He's he's a heavily inspired by Tolkien, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, yeah, look at the Lord of the Rings films and how they're three movies and nearly four hours each. You know, for for my movies or for my books, you're going to need at least nine or, or, or yeah. I forget. He he mentioned these crazy numbers of how many hours it would have to be to tell his story, and then it kind of matched up with what the seasons like altogether turned out to be. And I was like, that's, that's pretty interesting. But, that's what we got. And we'll see how they wrap it up. But again, this is more of an, a eulogy. I'm not, I'm not just going to be mad. I'm not going to say, screw you D and D and like these memes that we <laughs> talked about at the beginning. But what I am doing is expressing my sadness for what, what the show could have been and what the legacy could have been. And uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I, uh, I don't feel that strongly about it as you, but I, I understand, you know, when the, the criticisms come in and stuff, I, I wish I, I do wish there was more, but I'm still very much eager to see what, how it ends, and I'm probably rewatch it all eventually, at least yeah. this season, since I just did the first seven seasons a couple like a month ago. I don't mean personally for myself, but look at what we have a petition right now with about seven hundred thousand signatures in one day of people trying to get HBO to remake the season eight, which is obviously a ridiculous, <laughs> asinine, so silly. It, it's silly, especially since this gets ten plus million viewers a. Uh, a week. I mean, that that's such a. I mean, seven hundred thousand is a big number, but it's such a small mo- number in comparison to how many people actually watch the show. Oh, I, I see. I think that's the wrong argument. I mean, it's ridiculous that. I mean, I think that it's the basis for this uh, petition that's on change.org is ridiculous. Yeah. They're obviously. Right, I think the yeah. people that made it even <laughs> know this. They're obviously not going to remake it. I think they probably did that to be a little silly and to get a rise out of people. It's an asinine, ridiculous, impossible thing to ask. But the fact that in 24 <laughs> hours that 700,000 people have signed it shows you how angry it is. These are not just trolls. I mean, these are people that are mad. People are, and I think, rightfully upset by a lot of decisions. Now, some of them take it a little far. I agree. But my point yeah. is is that HBO is looking at this. HBO is seeing 700,000 people in 24 hours. These are 
people that are supposed to be viewing their prequels and and buying their merchandise and all this, right? Like this is sending a message. And so what I'm saying is that you can't tell me this didn't tarnish the show's legacy. I didn't mean personally for you, but I think it is sure. irrefutable that this season left the show with a less than glowing legacy. And that's that's the point I'm trying to make is that it's unfortunate for the show that it went out like this, regardless of whether you're having a fun time watching it, it is not what it could have been, right? Well, I, I guess. I, what I'd be curious about, just to take it a... Well, if all this wasn't <laughs> happening, wouldn't you feel better about it? Yeah, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say, is you just talked about how irritated you were with all these memes and stuff. Yeah. You'd be happy without it, right? That's all I'm saying, is that it could have been a show that just nailed it and wouldn't have all these criticisms but you know that just with the outrage culture that we have now with virtually everything that like some a, a fraction of people were going to be upset no matter if this was the greatest finale of all time that like i feel like there was going to be outrage about something like sure i'm curious to see if there would be like some step a step further than just signing a petition and if people would throw money at it like they did that stupid wall GoFundMe um months and months ago to see like here, donate money to to have HBO redo the this, this season. Oh, See right. if the people really throw money at it instead of just signing a uh, signing their name to a yeah. petition. You know, yeah. But like, I don't. I never. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, all right. I I'm just throwing it out there again. I uh, no. I, I get it. I uh, I get it. I'm just as I don't know. I guess it's my nature to try to give the benefit of the doubt. I I, I see the flaws, but I I, I just I refuse. I, I don't know. I, I I I don't feel like it's it's that that bad to garner seven hundred thousand things. But that's again, that's my personal. But opinion it did. It. And then, yeah, I know. That's what it's, I'm saying. It it did. You can't. It's it's, it's undeniable. That's those aren't robots. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Like it this, could be. they're not though. I mean, these are could be. It could be Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll move on. I just it's it's a shame. That's all. I just wanted to get it out there. It's it's no, my. I get this was, especially the business perspective that you brought up. That like these are people that they want to watch their next shows and stuff. So like I, I get it from that perspective too. They got to have an eye out on what people think of of their show now. Yeah, but, it's people are too wrapped up in the oh this is stupid oh yeah. this is dumb people want them to refilm season eight blah blah. Well, of course that's never going to happen. I'm not saying it is. But you have 700,000 people outraged and saying, I used to love the show and now I don't. That's bad for business. This is really, really bad for business. When HBO had, what, six spinoffs in development? Like, they had, remember, there was a crazy amount of spinoffs. The first one yeah. has already started filming already, you know? So, so it's like HBO, I mean, yeah, they said, okay. D&D, you're going to leave. We're going to have to wrap this up. Okay. Hey, we have a deal with George to make all these spinoffs. Like, they're not they're not done with Game of Thrones by a long shot. But the way that this ends and the way that people receive it will have an effect on those other uh, prequels. And if those spinoffs don't do well in the ratings, you know, that means less spinoffs. Or that means them not going all the way. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's all rolling downhill. <laughs> and it's a shame because... As a fan of Game of Thrones, we want more. We want more stories, yeah. and we want all that. Like, I'm a fan. To be honest, I'm not I'm not entirely interested in any of the spinoffs no. until I see what they are, unless it's Robert's Rebellion or, or something really compelling. Well, you know what's um, really frustrating? I'm going to spoil this for you right now. Here's the show spoilers non-exclusive, because I read this online. But um, <laughs> the So, you know how in Episode 3, obviously, the Night King was killed, and we got zero answers on his motivation? 
I mean, we don't know. We don't know anything about the Night King Is and who they're going to have a spinoff called The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but so the the series that is starting to film now is set five thousand years before Game of Thrones, and it's all about so the children of the forest. The forest. Yeah. So we got no answers because they held it all off hmm. to do a whole series about it. So I'm sure that will make people hmm. joyful. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So, all right. So, all this is leading. But yeah, we're an hour in here, and we haven't even got to King's Landing yet. So, <laughs> yeah. What happens here in season five, or season five, episode five of the final season, the penultimate episode of the six episode season, um, is the the scouring of the Shire, yeah. basically. Uh, yeah, the uh, burning of King's Landing because um, Danny and his ar- her army. I got my words all mixed up. Uh, approach king's landing um we see we get a good shot of euron and his fleets loading the scorpions and preparing for battle Arya and the hound are already inside king's landing uh jamie's in there he's kind of a funny scene with it's not really funny but uh, i guess the way that it's filmed is because all the all the um occupants the the uh, peasants i guess of king's landing are all trying to get to safety and get through the gate and you see jamie you know in the middle of them with his golden hand in the air like notice me notice me and guard, i, I kind of guard <laughs> yeah. wait it's so funny how he waves that hand side to side. It, yeah it's, right <laughs> it is it's just comical it's not supposed to be funny but the way he waves it side yeah, to that's side why is, I was yeah because <laughs> it's like the hand is out like he's at a concert or something waving a hand side to side yeah. we see the we see the golden company block in the front uh, front gate and uh, Megan made a funny comment about their weird hats because their helmets are they're shaped like I don't think I, I don't even remember what they look like now because it's been a while. But uh, I, I kind of laughed out loud at that. But uh, yeah, so they're they're trying to close the gates and Jamie's trying to get through. And then uh, Dro- I think it starts with Drogon attacking, right? A lot of people were like, who's that guy on the white horse? And so that's uh, what's his name? Harry the captain of the golden company which we don't see him yeah. for very long here um, yeah the golden company was built up like you know, like we're gonna have the golden company and yeah and uh, i think there was supposed you to know be that was kind of underwhelming you know no, it's just one of those I things thought, I, and then apparently the dothraki still exist there was a lot of dothraki yeah. <laughs> that were there in attacking i thought they were all wiped out in the long night interesting huh um so. yeah it's, it's it's very cloudy when it comes to all the numbers and things at this point i mean we're gonna have to get a forensic scientist in to figure out like in a forensic <laughs> accountant like how many were there they all died three ran back now there's a thousand now there's twelve thousand unsullied left i don't know it's i really at this point it's it's impossible to figure out but uh so anyway they so the the golden company is all lined up there out front but what what we realize is that uh they're not as effective uh especially not against dragon fire that's for sure no not at all like it was like you would think after the long night that that cersei had numbers but it was uh i mean this was the drogon fight like he yeah um which I I understand your criticism if if you're gonna go there with like all the scorpions and I think somebody um I, my friend my friend Trevor posted on on my all of a sudden they got completely they got nerfed yeah like the they had so many scorpions that's taken out two dragons so far and uh, I and Drogon apparently maybe we can give the benefit of the doubt that that Danny adapted but I it's <sighs> it was it was just weird it's... that like the dragons she had so much control of what he did and all, how much fire he could breathe like I don't know why they weren't doing that through the whole long night I know, know. But, it's it's just like... it's frustrating I think again I think that's another it's it's just bad writing is what it comes down to and it's unfortunate but the fact that Rhaegal was slaughtered by the scorpions that had pinpoint accuracy 
you know, dragon flying through the air, ship sailing in water, and they're all aimed and have perfect accuracy. And then she's able to come in against dozens of the scorpions, all I do. ready for a dragon. I mean, they all know that's the whole point of them. But I do want to say, I just thought of this too. Go for um, it. When last episode, when, when Rhaegal was taken out, mm-hmm. They weren't, for whatever reason, like you can argue that they should have been expecting Euron's fleet, but they weren't looking for battle at that point. They were they were coming in, but like Euron surprise attacked them, right? In this episode, Danny's actively avoiding those scorpions as opposed to last one where they, they just hit Rhaegal out of nowhere. They weren't expecting it all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you, you, could, you could lean it that way if you wanted sure. to, but either way, it's still Yeah, not we won't. Uh, really, we're not going to. Yeah. We're not going to stay on this. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm really, it's all going to come down to condensed seasons. I mean, honestly, and I hate to just yeah. use that as like a, an excuse and just keep throwing it out there. But honestly, if this could have been plotted out a little better, I think that they would have had more time, but it all seems ridiculous because it's so rushed. It's like, we have two episodes, one to take King's landing two to wrap up the entire series and to yeah. deal with the new villain. So it's, it's like, I, you know, they don't, they don't have any time. She's got to come in. She's got to take out the scorpion. She's got to take out Euron's fleet, you know? So she takes out the iron and that she does. Yeah. She takes it all out. <laughs> Those are all down. And then she heads for the castle and she just obliterates. She destroys every single scorpion on top of the castle mounted, uh, takes them all out, burns the, the Lannister army, uh, and she just destroys their forces. I mean, it's not even a contest. I want to give props to this episode, and uh, we said it earlier that it was a good-looking episode, but, I mean, really, oh, it's so cinematography-wise, I think this is one of the best-looking episodes of the series. This is a yeah, beautiful, I, I beautifully cinematic episode. Um, the sh- from the very beginning, the tight shots going between Daenerys and Tyrion, uh, when they're talking in that in that first scene where we see Daenerys and how disheveled she is, whether it's the the camera angles that they use, you know, from Tyrion looking at very meeting John at the water or uh, overlooking King's Landing, the scope was huge of this whole thing. I mean, they built practical sets for King's Landing on their back lot, like they made these sets that were just incredible looking, and so props to the the people like the crew behind the scenes and the the cinematography and the director the vision and the scope of this episode are just amazing so i do there's a couple scenes that we'll get to yeah i do not want to diminish that at all as as much as i give the writing a hard time and it's rushed and all that i mean these these camera angles and i mean the tracking shot which is obviously one that you're going to mention later um it is just a beautiful looking episode (laughs) so this episode needs to win an emmy hands down but again not just one of the best of the season because there's there's been a couple others that have looked really good but this is one of the best looking episodes i can remember so uh and uh you know to uh to give him credit this is the same director of episode three which i hated so obviously the guy knows (laughs) how to film a scene and direct a set so it's not like he can't do it so um i i really in contrast to the three the three was supposed to be dark like the the long night you know the looming presence in the dark yeah. you know? but 
I get you know the concerns with not being able to see yeah, stuff. But there's there's way King's Landing. It's funny. I think that the darkness is a scapegoat. I don't like the episode for many reasons, and the darkness is only one minor complaint. But it, it yeah, is, sure. You know, go yeah. back and listen to that episode. But but I think but the, the anyone that didn't like episode three, <laughs> oh, learn how to adjust your TV. No, that wasn't the problem. And I have a whole episode about my complaints there. So go listen to that. But uh, but but I did want to give him credit. I mean, the same director of three, which I hated. Uh, directed this episode which i think was really solid uh aside from those complaints that i have which are writing issues there's you know story issues it's not anything to do with technical stuff so uh great looking episode so anyway this whole sack on king's landing did you watch the little 20 minute like behind the scenes video that they do on these things I have not yet. No, it is really good. So they should. I saw. I saw clips of it, like with Sandor and Gregor uh, going through the wall. How they did that and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but like, go watch that for anyone that hasn't. Okay. Uh, they're doing these little like mini documentaries. It's not just the five minutes after the episode. They do like a twenty minute little behind the scenes thing. And on this episode, they show you building the sets, how they built them with the intention of destroying them, how they made the fire and the explosion for the dragons, how they built this all in the back lot. This was not a set that existed. They just built their own soundstage, basically. That's really um, cool. It is fascinating. So I will say this is a beautiful, stunning technical achievement and really a on, on the edge of your seat, amazing action and battle sequence. Um, you know, it, and, and again, a lot of it isn't from the ground. A lot of it is the dragon, so you don't get as much hand-to-hand combat. But uh, this, just the tension that you feel on the ground for the uh, people on the other end of the dragon fire was, yep. I don't know, it was exhilarating, man. It was, it was. This is kind of the feeling that I think I expected from episode three, and so um, I'm really happy that we got it here. Yeah, yeah, I, I love almost every minute of this episode. While Drogon's wreaking havoc, uh, both. Um, Kyburn and, and Cersei are up in uh, the Red Keep, and basically she's trying, you know, being as overconfident as she always is, saying that uh, all he needs is one good shot, you know. But then Kyburn <laughs> reminds her that all the scorpions are down, and she goes, "Well, the Red Keep's never fallen; it's not going to fall today." Uh, I just, you can you can you can see the concern in Kyburn. Like, Kyburn knows, like yeah. she's she's not correct here. And, oh yeah, I hate Cersei so much, and I loved it every time. Kyburn told her stuff like that it was so great yeah. to see her. she's so <laughs> cocky and so arrogant and was Very such much. a you know when she d- d- killed Masandi, such an arrogant piece of crap and and Lena Headley is one of the uh I mean she's a great actor and she has portrayed this this villain masterfully yep. but this character you hate so much and so yeah when Kyburn basically tells her like this we're we're toast we need to go somewhere safer and eventually takes her away it's like yeah that's what you get yeah <laughs> So after that, um, Jon Snow and, and the Northern uh, armies and, and the Unsullied uh, are standing off with the Lannisters, and there's there's this tension in the air, like because the battle is won, and the uh, Lannisters throw down their swords, and the uh, the bells, um, the, the, like everybody's waiting. Tyrion is hoping that those bells ring because he sent Jaime to do it. Uh, like, hey, when you get there, like the bells are ringing. I'm telling, I told Danny, when the bells ring, the fight's over. You know, you get out of here with Cersei. And so that that tense moment, like whether or not the bells are going to ring, it keeps it keeps a this a, is a so really good suspenseful angle. Yeah, Danny's just hovering on on Drogon, and then the bells finally finally start ringing. And uh, I think this is one of the best non vocal performances by Amelia Clark in the air on Drogon when those bells are ringing, like just the look in her face, the, like the watery eyes, and the look of anger uh, frustration I, like, anger everything Every, yeah. like everything is there within her grasp now like this is hers i'm taking it but 
she snaps and just decides to burn it all. Yeah, see, I think it was a lot more methodical than that. So I don't think she just snaps. I, I, I do agree that... I mean, she makes what seems like a rash decision, but everything was in her face. She was sitting there contemplating everything she's lost, everyone she's lost, and how close she is. And again, that coin was spinning, but it was spinning very slowly, and you knew it was going to slam on one side or the other. We didn't know if it was going to be heads or tails, and she didn't know if it was going to be heads or tails. But that quiet, tense moment that, and, and everything that you could read on her face, she she decided to be a dragon. Yeah. Uh, I brought this up a few episodes ago, but remember when she meets with Lady Olena? Oh, Olena tells and she her. talks about being a, a powerful woman. Yeah. Like, it's interesting because a lot of people are talking about that. And I'm like, I brought this up a few episodes ago. You're a dragon. When I rewatched. Be a dragon. She says, yeah. she says, be a dragon. Lady Olena says she needs to rule by force. So she needs to take what is hers and she needs to be a dragon. So she's got that in the back of her mind. And she's thinking now that I've been betrayed by the people I trusted. I've lost the people that I've trusted. And uh, the throne is right there. And I also have a kingdom to rule. And she's thinking, I, I see in my head, I'm seeing these as like replays. She's replaying after the long night, the celebration at, uh, is in uh, Winterfell when Everybody's they're all celebrating John, and everyone yep. is toasting John and, and saying how great he is and their king and all that. All this is replaying in her mind. And then probably the final thing is when she chose, then it's fear, yep. right? So she's having all these playbacks in her mind. And at that moment, she decides it's not madness. It's not craziness. And she doesn't snap because, see, I think snapping or breaking also kind of re- relates to craziness. She decides to be a dragon. She decides to be a Targaryen. And she decides to take what is hers. Now, that doesn't mean I support it. Right. doesn't mean I like it. doesn't mean that I agree with her. And I told you I haven't liked Danny for a couple seasons now because I saw all this coming yep. and it's made me dislike her more and more. And so you can go back and listen to our previous episodes. It's not like I was like, yay, Danny, this season. <laughs> uh, this is exactly what I was fearing and thought would happen. And so, again, I'm completely against this, but I will not call her crazy. I She made the decision to rule through fear. Yeah. I didn't mean snap like crazy, but I meant like that was that moment where. But you, you have to be clear because, again, people are so polarized and so angry is they will take anything you say and so that's why you have to clarify so when it, when you say someone snaps that means breaking that means going you know just okay do it and, and, and this i think was a very she's been struggling with this and she made the decision to do all those things because of those instant replays in her head and uh from a tactical standpoint you know taking emotion out of it i mean of course it's horrible it's a horrible terrible thing that she did killing innocents women children people that have surrendered all this is terrible but in her mind and remember this is not 2019 sure this is, it's a completely different time it's a this is a brutal horrible time you know this is like middle ages you know this is a horrific time to live in but um it takes a lot more effort and a lot more power and it's and it's a lot and a lot more time and risk to try to get people to to turn and love you than it does to just take them out and start over right so in her mind from a tactical strategy standpoint like all those people in king's landing they may fear her but they're never going to love her and so i think she just realized that if i just take them out that i that's one less pe- one less person that's going to plot against me one less, you know, who's the future little finger? Who's the future varies? Who is going to be plotting to kill me? Who of these citizens is going to want to take revenge for killing their family member that was a Lannister in the army, right? Yeah. Like, 
all these little things that are going through her mind from a tactical advantage was just take the whole thing down. And sure, a little bit of it was um, revenge for killing Masandi and sure. for all the horrific things. I mean, without a doubt, there was anger here, but it was also strategy. And so I think we have to keep that in mind in these horrific dark ages that, you know, this is something that conquerors did and uh, Targaryens before her did this Lannisters before her did this. Um, you know, this is the kind of stuff that happened. And so I just, I just think that it's unfair to call her crazy. I'm not saying you did, but the other people that are calling her crazy, it's unfair because a lot of other conquerors and Kings did this stuff and we did not call them mad Kings. Right. So that's, that's my piece on that one. So she decided this and she does these horrific things that make me hate her with a passion. And I hope she dies. I do not care for her. So, (laughs) so clarifying that right now, I do not agree with these things, but I understand her motivation. And again, this is not character assassination. Yep. I completely agree. That's the other one. Um, you pretty much covered all, all the bases of it that after this episode, everybody was upset with Jamie and Danny. And I was like these Danny, especially you saw that you should have seen this coming, but, but Jamie maybe takes a little bit more work to understand how he, you know, relapsed into, into who he's always been. But yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Neither one of them. So, and that's why I really believe that, that, these characters are where they're supposed to be. And I think, I mean, for the most part, I do believe George plotted this out for them and they did these, but that's why I'm sticking to my guns on this one. It's not the destination. It's about the journey. It's how you get there. And that matters. So if we had more time to see Daenerys struggle with this, and again, we we've seen it, it's there. I'm not saying it isn't, but if we had more time in between episodes to see her, change her mind and we could see her make up her mind or in the books if we could read her internal monologue and understand where she's coming from then it would be like oh okay she's doing what the other Targaryens did the coin landed on this side and she chose this but when you see Danny, you know she's been trying to be a good person all this time and then you see her do this without a whole lot of discussion then people go oh that's totally untrue to her character but it's not it's just we only had a very few episodes to get her there, right? Yeah. So yeah. I agree. So she goes ham. Everyone gets yeah, it. Yeah. Just, just burning down everything, anything and everything in, in, uh, in King's landing. And while that's happening, um, Jamie and you Jamie is down in the, uh, the smuggling area that, that Davos set up a little dinghy for him, to, him and Cersei to flee in, um, that Tyrion told him about the very bottom of the, of the keep, there's a there's a gate that'll that'll get you to the water and there'll be a little boat waiting for you to go live with Cersei somewhere and you know our debts yeah. paid and his you know family but family who sh- first who, who shows up but everyone's favorite, <laughs> favorite frat boy. pirate yeah just uh, conveniently to to fight Jamie who who considers himself a king and because he's with Cersei now and um, they have their little battle on the uh, on the beach there. I, don't, I was trying to think of a clever name to call it, but you know, it was a battle on the beach. But yeah. uh, he gets ja- uh, he gets the better of Jamie quite a bit, stabs him twice, and which makes sense. Yeah. This is a, this is exactly how it should be. Jamie has one hand. Yeah. like Euron is a brutal warrior, and so when you have Jamie one hand against Euron, he's Jamie isn't supposed to be able to win. Yeah. and I think one of and, and this is where I'm going to get into another frustration. And again, I haven't had many this this episode. 
the the dramatic dragon thing is just silly. That doesn't really matter. But <laughs> avoiding the scorpions. Dramatic Drogon. Yeah, dr- yeah, Drogon the dramatic dragon is what I call him. There should be a song <laughs> about it. But uh, my next real big issue is this Jamie fight. And again, it's not that that Euron should be able to defeat him because he should. Um, but you know, it's a little silly how you know Euron is one and almost like a Bond villain. He just kind of sits there and catches his breath and allows Jamie to get his sword. And like, I, I think that's a little ridiculous, but it happens. Whatever. But the more important thing is that Euron has twice mortally wounded Jamie. Like he, Jamie should be dead. He should not be able to 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 run yeah. to climb to the top of the Red Keep. They weren't small blades that, that he's... No. I think it's both sides yeah, of the Yeah, I think he got him in his... He gets stabbed, and it's a pretty, pretty long blade. Yeah, like, it, it's it's absolutely absurd that Jamie survived this. Absolutely absurd. And not only did he survive it, he climbed to the top of the Red Keep, he accompanied Cersei down to the basement, and then, I as I rewatched... The, I don't think... Did he climb up to the top? Because I know Kyburn was bringing her down. Okay, I, he didn't climb to the very top, but he it wasn't the okay. ground level. What I mean is that just that he 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 just climbed any stairs. Yeah, he at went all, in there. Apparently. He got to Cersei, then he walked her back down to the basement, and then as I rewatched the episode, I wanted to make sure I was sure about this. He is literally running around the basement with his wounds and looks like he has not even been bruised. Like it's it's huh. so ridiculous the way that he's getting around after being mortally wounded. So. It's really, and it, this really is a big frustration because this is another example of the head fakes that they're manufacturing for it to be like, oh my god! Because when Jamie's laying there, he's dead, he's defeated, right? Like they've done this to us so many times with main characters, especially in that episode three. So Jamie's laying there mortally wounded, and yet he gets the sword, kills Euron, gets to Cersei, runs around where they're like, yeah, they did not map this out very well. He should not have been able to get around like this. And so I just think it cheapens the thing for a cheap reaction of, oh, my God, he's they got him because, you know, what I mean, he he didn't even seem affected by it. I honestly don't remember <laughs> how, yeah. how, how, how much he ran around. It's but, frustrating. But it's, yeah, I, I do agree. He took two really mortal, like fatal stabs there. And, and if he somehow didn't die, if somehow that didn't kill him, which it would have. But if it didn't kill him, he should at least look injured. Right. Like, yeah, sure. The fact that he should be dead, but he can still run around, that's crazy. That's impossible. And so I just wish that they would have played out differently. I wish maybe Euron could have slipped up a little bit or Jamie could have done something exceptional and fought him. But um, in any event, I mean, he gets to Cersei and, and uh, you know, I think we should just skip ahead right now. I, I know it's a little out of sequence, but since we're here, yeah. he gets to Cersei and, and brings her down to try to escape. But uh, because Drogon is causing so much wreckage and destroying the castle, all of the exits have, have been caved in. And so yep. this is the moment where some people said they sympathize with Cersei. I have zero sympathy for the woman. I don't know. I, Especially considering that, like, she's so happy to see him, which, I I mean, I guess since their their love, I guess, is true. Like, she never didn't love him, but she's probably really disappointed that he left her, of course. But, oh, but she, like, she literally him... just sent Bronn to kill him. Yeah, she, no. Like, this, two episodes this ago. Is BS. You know? Yeah, people, yeah, <laughs> check your notes. You really need to remember how this series went down. So Cersei was mad at Jamie for a very long time kept sending him away because she was mad at him and then yes sent Bronn to kill him the only reason Cersei embraced him was because she had no one else and so that's Cersei's manipulative BS attitude trying to save herself I mean I'm not saying that it all was fake and that she didn't somewhere deep down care especially because she was dying of course she did care about Jamie but but 
Cersei again would just try to have him killed like you said so bs i feel no sympathy she's murdered and killed so many people she is an awful awful villain and i felt nothing for her i i'm sorry it no, didn't I work didn't for either. me so and i know you weren't satisfied with that's how she gone she went out but and that you know, is but... that is my number one complaint of this entire episode this beautiful beautifully directed beautifully shot beautifully acted and uh great composition as always by Ramin Jawadi, the dissatisfying demise of Cersei. I mean, yeah. you build up a show for eight seasons. You despise the woman. You're ready for her to get justice any other way. I don't care if the, if the hound killed her on the way down the stairs. I don't care if Arya killed her. I don't care if she got a concussion or something and we saw someone step on her head in the madness. Anything other than this. Like, for her to die in the comfort of her lover's embrace... And and have any moment of it's going to be okay, nothing else matters, look at me, and, and die kind of, I would say, off screen, you know, I mean, with the building crumbling and then you don't actually see her die. Like, yeah. I just think that was such an injustice for all viewers of this show. Um, and, and that's not, I, I'm sorry, that's not expectations. That's not subverting expectations. No, I. it's what I, I didn't know how she was going to die, honestly. I had no idea. And I didn't have anything in my head picturing how she would die right i was ready for them to show me but this was not a proper ending for cersei like this was so unsatisfying i i'm so unhappy they did that yeah i uh a lot of people are upset with the the valencar theory didn't play out but that was never really, i don't think introduced in the in the show unless it was some other scene you can't the, say they didn't do that because it wasn't in the show so. prophecy yeah. yeah that's yeah but uh did you like this where did she die and you go oh yeah cersei's dead i mean did you celebrate that moment i really didn't i i on thinking about it now i don't think i i cared like i knew that, that's what i mean you should care like that's that's you, you know, know what i mean yeah i yeah, at that point, I knew that all was lost for them. Yeah. Basically, anybody that wasn't on Danny's side, uh, like there, there was no hope for. Yeah. Like we see, uh, even Kyburn gets a gruesome death from from his own creation in in, in uh, the mountain. But uh, yeah, at that point, like there's nobody. Like you knew that they weren't. As soon as that gate was blocked off for to get them to that boat to get out of there, like you knew that, or at least I knew that, like they're getting like crushed in there and there's nothing else that i agree it's it, it probably not as satisfying as it should be but like i i just didn't it was, it was whatever to me yeah i guess so i mean yeah. okay, it's, it is what it is i just i know i'm not alone with that one yeah cersei deserved to die and and i think the best thing would have been the hands of a stark who she ruined all these starks lives right so like sure. aria ends up leaving the scene which is what we'll get to with the whole Clegane Bowl thing and leading up to it but um, I get why she... did you say Clegane Bowl I did <laughs> yeah exactly I... <laughs> the, I can't do the noise with my voice it doesn't work but so okay that's fine but I'm, what I'm saying is that would have been satisfying because it would have been justice to the Starks you know having a Stark do that okay I get why they didn't and that's fine but sure. you know any other thing if Jamie actually decided to kill her and it was a head fake that would have been cool I mean, again, if the hound would have just killed her, I think that would have been great as, as easily as uh, the mountain dispatch with Kyburn. I would have loved for the hound to have... I mean, it would have been... How funny was that? Yeah, it would have been out of nowhere, but I would have took that. I just... I'm very disappointed that, that that's the way they chose to do it. And and partially, again, it's not just because of her death. They let her die in comfort. That woman does not deserve that... Sorry, that monster. Yeah. That monster does not deserve any comfort. That's the main takeaway is that, you know, yeah, 
they tried to make it a little sad that you know her baby and her baby wasn't going to live fine but in the end Jamie was there for her and I think that was I think they gave her something that she didn't deserve and that's that's the main frustration sure that makes sense let's get to Clegane Bowl yeah um, before all that happens um, as Kyburn's escorting Cersei down the stairs with with the mountain uh, zombie mountain uh the Hound and Arya are... Well, I guess Arya's not there yet. The Hound tells Arya. They basically have a in a, a path to, to choose from. and the, They're both on a revenge path. And they said, and the Hound tells her straight up, like, if you come with me at this moment, with all the wreckage and stuff that's happening, the castle coming down, you're going to die. So, you know, I've protected you. I've... I, I mean, all everything he's, he's conveying to her is that, like, you need to leave if you want to live. And she ultimately makes that decision that... Uh, to leave that path of revenge that she's been on for however many seasons that uh, I guess in season one after after she left uh, King's Landing, I, I guess from the the previous episode when he says I'm going when he's going to King's Landing, he's like I'm not planning on returning, and she says neither am I. Neither am so I. So yeah. she starts and, off on that one, path, and she she basically says I'm going there to die, but to take out Cersei. And in this episode, they get together they go through king's landing and make it all the way to that that map room and she gets that far and that's when the hound tells her that you know do you want to be like me and 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 that's when she decides to take the other path you know and that, that was the point of no return and she she makes that decision and as he's walking away a really touching moment they've been through so much but uh the hound is someone that even though he's this brutal killer he's still a really likable person. Like he still has that honor yeah. about him and sure. uh, you've, we've really enjoyed watching their relationship. And so when, when, you know, and she doesn't call him hound, call him Sandor, she, yeah. she says Sandor and he turns around and all she says is thank you. And in true hound fashion, he doesn't even give a nod. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. He doesn't nod. <laughs> he just sits there and by giving that look for a second and then turning around, it's like, that's enough. He said it with his face and it was a really sure. nice moment. And uh, she, so she heads out back down to King's Landing to the chaos. And he meets Cersei and Kyburn and uh, five or six Lannister guards on the staircase. And uh, those Lannister guards are easily dispatched. Yep, just tears right through him to get to to get to his brother. And then, uh, as as the mountain starts to go downstairs, that's when uh, Cersei says, Cersei "Stay with wants me." Him to stay. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> Kyvern says something and well he says stay with your queen yeah and Mountain just grabs him and, and crushes him against the wall great moment see that was a satisfying death it was out of nowhere yes we didn't expect out of it nowhere. Kyvern's this wormy <laughs> character that we hate and boom just dispatches created by or killed by his own monster yeah smashed his head on the wall and then throws him down the stairs to land on a rock like that is the death that Kyvern deserved and this is probably my favorite favorite shot between this and, and, and Arya later on but the hound walking up the stairs approaching his brother like the lighting and just the 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 way that it's shot like at an angle from the bottom of the stairs like him approaching like his ultimate goal for the whole series has been getting revenge for what his brother did to him right and yeah and amongst the chaos because you even see the dragon wreaking havoc overhead in the broken down pieces of the wall and the lighting that's coming through like everything about this shot was beautiful and like i yeah. they, they they couldn't have done it any better like for something that's so hyped up in clegane bowl uh they like it just knocked it out of the park for a for a, a good fight between the two of them too we finally get to see uh i, always, I keep wanting to call him robert strong 
yeah, they finally knocked the helmet. We've seen his eyes, his red eyes and his purple face throughout the whole since since this whole zombified version. And uh He looks like a zombie Varys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Varys is zombified. But uh to finally get the scene without the helmet on, it turns into this big battle um where, where Sandor, uh the hound, is like at the point where he was Oberyn Mar- getting Martell oh, with the mountain's brutal. eyes in it, or thumbs in his eyes, he's the mountain's taking stabs to the body and to the head, like, and it's not phasing him at all because he's he's just an undead, doesn't feel anything, he's nothing. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's so hard to watch uh, the Hound get demolished like this because we're rooting for him, but we're we're of course questioning the whole time how how I mean this isn't Sir Gregor, this is the mountain i mean this isn't the mountain this is just this other thing that's this creature that kyburn created and so he's he's not human and and nothing affects him and it isn't until that i mean it was a great a great scene to watch and the hound is laughing like he finds it comical and why don't you just die <laughs> and then when he takes this what's i guess was it a knife the dagger that he pulls out yeah, and then gets gets the mountain through the eye, puts it right through his. But eye. But he finally is like, "Oh, I, this is affecting me." <laughs> yeah, and then he uh, he finally uh, after he you know gets his like I thought he the hound was going to be blind, and he pretty much was like. His, it's like I guess one eye wasn't completely gone. One eye was able to see where he was at, and he tackles him through through uh, a beat down wall, and they fall to their deaths into the fire. Oh, it was uh, down below. Perfect ending. I. I, yeah, it was I, seriously with all the hype. So good, yeah. With everything that people have been talking about for Clegane Bowl, I could not have imagined it going down better than this. Like, I some people don't like it, but again, I think a lot of people are just they don't like anything at this point. But uh, I was really happy with how it ended, and I think it was very fitting. Obviously, the Hound didn't have anything else. I mean, he was ready to die, and it would be impossible to make it out of that situation alive because of the mountain. And uh, so they're both dead now, and I. You know, it was it was a very cool looking scene. Yeah, and uh, while that's happening, we get a, the tracking shot that you alluded to earlier oh. of Arya through through all the wreckage of King's Landing. So like, intense! I, I never oh this 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 reminded me of how good the show can be in these action sequences and how intense. I mean, I put this on the level of Saving Private Ryan that opening scene on Normandy Beach. Oh yeah, when you're following Arya through King's Landing in the chaos. She is getting pushed and shoved and trampled on. And it, and it kind of it starts out because the editing, they did a really interesting thing. And they say behind the scenes that it was really supposed to be one shot of Arya separately than the Clegane Bowl. And then the editors thought up this way to uh, show the parallels and edit them together, which is really cool. But um, it was really, really neat looking the way that they showed the fight going back and forth. But then, yeah, following Arya through all this chaos and distress, at one point, you know, she's... She's dodging dragon fire and, and there's a building that falls and she jumps out of the way. I guess she she jumps kind of into an alley when a huge building is going to crumble or into a doorway Some, yeah. where there were a bunch of people. And that's where she finds the two people that she um, <clears throat> tries to save. Yeah, <laughs> like there's, there's these two people. Uh, the subtitles say that the older lady, uh, the mother, his name is Nora. And you you kind of get the feeling um, if you watch enough shows or movies or anything, yeah, they that, focus any on kind them of, in the beginning. They focus on a certain a, a certain individual. They like okay, they're going to play some minor part later on or whatever. So they're there when the Hound and Arya are trying to get into King's Landing. Right. Yeah. So you see them just few seconds here and there, and and you yeah. realize okay, this is a character that's going to like out of all the you know we're supposed to care 
about the innocence of King's Landing, but this one in particular, it, we're going to do something with, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so she wakes up and sees this room of people, and she's like, "What are you doing? You have to go because everything's crumbling around them." And so, while they're safe from the the northern forces and the Dothraki for now at least it's like well if you stay here this building's going to implode like I get where Arya was coming from you have to go we have to get out of here um, but unfortunately it was very bad timing because she pulls this mother and her daughter she's like come with me you're going to go with me and she leads them right out into a Dothraki rampage and yep. uh, it's just like oh my god it was terrible timing um, and so they're dodging them and the horses knock over uh, Arya and knock over this woman and her child. And I think this woman basically gets trampled. And then uh, Arya tries to pick up the daughter. She's like, take her, take her. And then it's it's pretty hard to watch because the little girl's like, no, and wants to stay with her mom. And so yeah. then Arya is forced to like, uh, OK, I got to go. And in the background, you see Drogon and Danny getting closer and closer and then finally comes down. I mean, it's great the way that it's filmed and you see that perspective. And then Drogon's coming in with the fire breath and just yep. completely destroys everything. Um, and then this is my, I guess, third major complaint and my, really my final one for the episode was the way that they shoot it. I mean, the entire area is engulfed in flames. Like you see Arya, she jumps to the side, but I mean, like the flames engulf the entire screen. And then she wakes up in the next scene and I mean, she's the only person alive in the entire King's Landing and doesn't even, and she's not even burnt. Like at least in that area, like severely burnt or scratched. You know what I mean? Like the people next, the people next to her are charred. Yeah. She, her clothes aren't even burnt. Like this is once again, it's, it's this head to get the cheap head fake of, Oh my God, is Ari going to be dead? Cause you know, they cut to something else. Like it's not like instantaneous. So obviously I mean, we're holding to the fact we're like, there's no way Arya would be dead, but to get that little head fake that, oh, maybe she is. Or did she? Did they just take her out? Is did Danny just kill Arya? I'm. You know, they do this. I'm gonna stand by that theory that I that I told you yesterday that I came up with. Well, I would love that. We'll get into that in a yeah. second. I, because that's the only way they make they come back. That's the only way they get out of this okay. in my okay. mind. But but I was so frustrated because. Again, and, and, and let me clarify, because I know I need to around these touchy subjects. You have to do it. So for people listening, I do not want Arya to die. I didn't write this episode, and I didn't put her in that situation. So don't mistake me here. <laughs> I don't want Arya to die. I don't want Jamie to die. You know, I didn't want him to die. I don't want our main characters to die. That's not my point. But you are putting them in impossible situations yeah. and then not killing them. If you put characters in impossible situations by definition they are impossible to survive don't take them out of them and don't make them come out without a scratch and so it was so frustrating when she gets up and is walking around all these charred crispy burnt bodies and she just has a couple scratches she's dusty from the ash but it's like again she's untouched yeah. and it's 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 completely dissatisfying um it, it makes it makes that whole scene of tension and that whole oh my gosh there's there's stakes here and oh my gosh people we love could die or it's you know um it just takes you out of that and so and then when she finds this horse i don't care how symbolic you want to be this isn't a bible show i it's not an allegory for the bible so i don't care if you can relate it to a passage from the bible or not don't do that to me i don't it, that that isn't beautiful to me that isn't symbolic of anything i think she becomes death man like i i think that whole scene 
like based on that photo that that Matt Neglia uh, shared of where that little girl that she's that she's helping try to save the whole time is carrying this little yeah. this little wooden white horse, right? And There's actually a lot of them. For some reason, they put those little horses all over in the place, multiple right? kids. Yeah, they're all over the okay, place. Okay, I thought it was just that girl. I haven't rewatched or anything. I was just going by that image. And then you no, see the... They, I think they all have horses all throughout the show, yeah. You see the scorched one that she's looking at when she wakes up in the from the from the wreckage, right? Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole series, or at least at the beginning, he's like, what do we say to the god of death? You know, not today. And she's always courting death and, and becoming this assassin or this faceless man and, and, and courting the, the God of death and the uh, house of many faces and all that. And so when she wakes up, my, what was, I was really interested to see that um, somebody posted an article about this today too, that other people are thinking this too. Um, I don't think she really woke up and that like, that was her, I mean, maybe she did, but like my image of this happening is this, this was all like her, becoming death like based on that bible verse that like her the death death riding a pale mirror uh that like i feel like it would be awesome as much as i love aria and i and we we even said in an earlier episode that like i don't want her to die but i feel like she's one that could die this is before she killed the night king and everything too so i mean she's she's filled her purpose i guess we're on the same page we don't want her to die but the only way that this scene becomes cool yeah, I th- as if she's not really alive. I want John or somebody that's on the ground down there to find her burnt body to, uh, this Sunday when they watch it and see that, that Arya was a victim. Because like you said, everybody else around her was scorched to death, but somehow she wasn't. So I, I feel like that was like some, some uh, I want to say, for lack of a better word, like a, 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 like just a metaphor of, of her, like her soul, I guess, like transferring into being becoming death being what she's always talked about you know so or tried to be that is the best possible explanation for what happened when i when i said like i don't care about all these bible passages and stuff what i meant by that was if you're just showing me that now she's out to kill daenerys because she's death and there's symbolism or whatever that's what i meant like i don't care about any of that like don't be throwing bible passages in just to be like oh symbolism the bible this show has not ever been a metaphor for the bible but the if you're going to do a Bible passage yeah. about death and Arya actually literally dying and becoming death, I'm on board. Yeah, and the one thing that stops this me from diving 100% in, I'm going to stand by it because I, I like the idea of it. But the one thing... And this would turn around, that would turn around so much of this season in that last episode. If they do that, if they have the balls to kill the hero that just saved the world from the Night King yeah. and a favorite character, if they have the balls to do that... They get so much more respect yeah. in the book. But the one thing that stops me from diving 100% in that she died in that moment, like we're going to. She's get, in a preview or something. She's, isn't she's she? in the preview for next week. But she doesn't say anything. She's just standing there in, in like, I'm guessing Dragonstone or whatever the capital is. I think it's Dragonstone mm-hmm. now that King's Landing's burned. It has down. to be, yeah. So, like, she's standing in, in an area and just kind of looking off, like, in, a, in, like, the direction of, like, the camera, like, to the camera left. But. Yeah. Um, until I see that she she's interacting with people, like I, I don't know what to think, but I really like the idea of that being more symbolic than an actual. She just lived and got on a horse that happened to be there and walked out of King's Landing or rode out of King's Landing. You know, so yeah, I because it's such a silly from a practical standpoint. It's such a silly scene. Okay, let's look at this practically. That horse that the head of the Golden Army was riding. It, it's that horse. It's that white horse. He's the only one with a white horse. So. They got demolished. They got, they got like the the army completely was 
attacked and remember Daenerys lit them all up and Harry was running away and got killed by Grey Worm and like the horse I think was blown to the side off screen somewhere and then that horse although it was a little dirty but like it wasn't injured it looked fine and it looked pretty clean for the situation yeah it would be ridiculous and also with all the other burned scorched bodies why is that horse alive and right there right like it's just we also don't know how much time passed though too the horse could have trotted in there like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to you know give the benefit of the doubt or like no yes that horse just happened to be strolling by the exact area well, why of not King's Landing. you know like if i don't know how close <laughs> they are to the front gate or whatever but like say like hours have passed or maybe i don't want to say days but but several hours have passed and the you know the the but it's silly it's deus ex machina it's silly yeah, that's silly writing. Okay, maybe it did, but that's silly, Brad. That's just silly. You're silly. So she she, she found <laughs> she found a, a a pretty clean white horse. It's only it's Arya and a white horse that survived the entire King's Landing and then rode out into the sunlight. Or just like, that area. Just, I don't I don't believe that she's. I mean, of course, John was down there too. At, at, you know, in some part of King's. I Landing. figured he. Ba- I mean, I figured he escaped by that point. Yeah. I, mean, I figured that everyone that retreated was going to retreat. Um, and but anyway, well. We'll leave it at that. We'll it's, just move on. Yeah, but there's I, no way of I knowing, think it was you know, until next her, week to see if they, they touch it again. But, you know, it's just... I will warn you, do not set yourself up for... Ex- for <laughs> do not set yourself up for this theory. I love the theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will make me so happy if it's true. I think it would be brilliant of them to do this. But we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment. I, I really yeah. don't. I really don't think they will. But um, and if they don't, I'm going to say this was 100 percent ridiculous, yeah. and I did not like it. So again, don't put her in this situation. This is a possible situation if you're going to make her survive, um, just for the shock value of it. But anyway, was not a big fan of the. You know, if if it does somehow become true when we go back and watch this scene, that scene with the horse will be beautiful and brilliant and meaningful. Which, by the way, visually was stunning when she was standing yeah, there in front of it, the light behind yeah. it and the, the burn, you know, wreckage around it and everything. Like, it was a beautiful exactly. shot if you, again, but... if you take the ridiculousness yeah. of the situation out of it, yes, it was very well shot. But if that was some kind of ceremony of her becoming death, I will look at it completely different, right? Because it's all about context. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see what happens next week. But we should say before we end this, because that was the very last shot, right? Yeah, riding off. off yep. Before, and that's where I was like, oh, God. They really <laughs> just ended like that. Oh, so. But before we leave, we should say real, something really interesting. They mirrored what we're used to uh, during the ground attack when um, when Daenerys started lighting up all the innocents. And then Grey Worm and the Unsullied and the Northern Army started killing all the unarmed Lannisters and everything. John has this really great, again, beautifully shot moment mm-hmm. where the sound all goes away and it, and and it's filmed in kind of slow motion. Yep. And you see John watching the chaos around him, and you see Northerners killing innocent Lannisters, and you see Lannisters trying to direct people to safety. Yeah, it's and it's and it's the opposite of what we're expecting or used to, and it's it's a perfect uh, visual and uh, metaphor for the the terrible nature of, of war, war yeah that it's just chaos and it's awful and it's it's horrific but uh yeah the northerners become the bad guys you know from our point of view because they're killing innocents and the lannisters are just trying to save all their town people that are there yeah now i'm glad you brought that up because I, I i was going to jump into that when i uh talked about the scouring of the shire and all that and i, I think we just jumped right into sure. danny tearing stuff up but, no that's fine yeah i just but, it was a great moment it was well filmed and also very crazy to think that these people and by the way like completely ignoring john i mean john is 
you know, he's pretty much, the, I, I know he's not, I'm trying to think of his actual title. I don't know if he's the head of the Queens guard or the head <laughs> of the army. I don't, you know, I don't know what his exact title is. He's moved around and jumped sure. around so much, but like you, you pretty much think of John being in charge of this whole operation since right. he's Daenerys secondhand, you know, whatever. So the fact that he's telling all these people and especially the Northern army, you know, his people are at one time were his people no, and they're not listening to him. And then he tells one guy to stop because you're to take it that he's going to rape this woman that he takes into an alleyway. Yep. And then he puts his sword up and says, stop. And the guy goes to attack him and he has to kill his own person. Like, um, it just shows you how chaotic and terrible it is. And also There's no John good guys is, in war. Yeah. It's yeah. And John is like, what is going on? His eyes are just opened completely wide to like, what have I done? Who am I supporting? Who am I fighting for here? Exactly. And that was his moment where he, where he realized that like, I'm on the wrong side. Like I, I need to stick with my family and, and like, I'm fighting the wrong fight right now because like when Danny comes swooping in after ignoring the bells, it's gray worm who breaks which is a point I wanted to make as well. Like the, the Lannisters are standing there unarmed. They gave up all their swords are on the ground yeah. and John and all of them, accept the surrender until Danny doesn't. And then Grey Worm, you know, just yeah. his, his emotions that he's mad. Yeah. His loyalty to Danny and his emotional distraught from Masandi being killed call, causes him to take that spear of his and just lunge it into the, to a Lannister front front liner. And then John's trying to stop the Northerners from, from continuing forward. But of course, Grey Worms already initiated the fight. So the Lannisters are picking up their swords and fights about to ensue again, because, because Danny and and you know the, her army, you know they're going to stay loyal to. Well, I don't want to say the whole North Army is going to stay loyal to her, but but again, like you said, the Northerners are also like being not the good guy. You know, the good guys that we expect. They're showing all sides of war. Just like these are just guys that are just fighting now and pillaging and raping or yeah, trying to. And it's, it's just and John stuck in the middle as the noble, as the honorable guy. Like this is not who we are like what are you doing you know and yeah they say war is hell yeah and that's what it is it's, these are all the casualties of war and uh i think this all comes back around to danny deciding to be a conqueror and it's not good it's not a morally right thing to do i don't like it i don't like her anymore i'm ready for her to be gone and all that but uh she made this decision and it was not an easy one because it goes against everything she's been trying to fight against for this series but at the end of the day, we know that the number one thing that she cares about is the throne. Yep. And every we said it, I think I said it from episode one, she will she will not let anything get between her and that throne. And she decided that all these people were all liabilities and um you know, she did have a little bit of a, a grudge. Uh, you know, I say a little bit, but <laughs> you know, and she she yeah. it was personal and she did want to get revenge and all that, but but again, you could have just went and blown up uh, the Red Keep, I mean, you didn't have to, or, you know, you could have just blown up the tower Cersei was in. She didn't have to do all that. Um, but she made the decision to follow through with her conqueror ways. And uh, now we're going to, she's going to have to deal with the repercussions. And that is not a lot of people happy with her. Yeah, we got. And, but we see what she can do with the dragons. So sure. They so if you want to get to Danny at this point, you've got to get past Grey Worm. You got to get past the Unsullied. You got to get past the Dothraki. You got to get past that Northern Army that's loyal to her. You know, whoever's uh, not just. I think they're gonna the loyal the North is gonna stay loyal to to Sansa and John. Like I mean, like 
they're they're helping in the fight because they believe that to be the fight that John brought them to, right? But she, but how much fear is she struck? They saw what she can do with the dragon. I, I, I think, I think we're gonna see. Is it Robin Aaron? Yeah. Vale? Yeah. I think we're gonna see that army come be loyal to Sansa. Remember, we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, I, I, I think hope some it's of not, them are. I hope it's not like another Lord of the Rings moment, like Battle of the Bastards, where they just where they just show, rush, in, they at rush the in at the end. But yeah. I mean, she's got she's got the entire North Pinder, and I think that her her army, Sansa's army, is still. I I, I want to say they're still loyal to her. I mean, I agree that the, there's the fear aspect. But if Daenerys too, but... is their queen and they just fought for her, they're not. They can't be loyal to some random person. Daenerys That's not the is random the person. She's the queen of the north, or not yet, I guess. But she's Sansa Stark. I'm just saying that army that just fought for her and saw her blow the place up with the dragon. That's her army. They're not going to just turn on her. But even if they do, okay. So we don't know. This is just this is just my opinion and your opinion. But she, they got to get through the Dothraki. They've got to get through the Unsullied, which we saw a lot of Unsullied in the preview. Yeah. A lot of people are asking, where did those Unsullied come from? from? But we're talking about 10,000 or whatever. I mean, it's an ominous, haunting visual of her overlooking a destroyed King's Landing and all of her Unsullied lined up. It looks like a very kind of dictator-esque. It looks like almost like Hitler over Nazis. You know, it's a very haunting imagery of a conqueror or a dictator in her army. And uh, so anyway, they've got to get through all of them and they've got to get through Drogon. Yeah. Who just destroyed everybody and everything. Single-handedly Drogon destroyed the iron fleet. He took out the entire King's landing, all the scorpions, all the Lannisters, all the people, all the buildings. I mean, this shows you how OP three dragons were because yeah. look what she did with one dragon. I'm wondering how loyal Drogon, like remember that glare from the first episode of the season that Drogon gave, gave John. That's the question. Does yeah. Drogon, is Drogon loyal to the mother of dragons or does Drogon know? Because obviously the dragons let John ride them. So will Drogon know so, okay, so real quick before we wrap up, or as we wrap up, the last thing that I want to do is predictions for the final series. So if you could just plan out real quickly what you think will happen. I know we've touched on a few points. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, my goodness. I don't want to see any more Starks die. Um, I'm sticking to my theory that Arya is dead or or she's some kind of some kind of entity now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think John kills Danny. Mm-hmm. Like I think this last episode I drove, think that's a... drove drove him over the you know the edge because he's always going to be you know the honorable one. So I think he kills Danny. He doesn't want the throne. He's not he's not going to be on the throne. So I think he'll. I think we've even talked about it going spending going back up north. I don't think they need the Night's Watch anymore if that's even a thing because the the threat from the north is is gone. So I think he'll just go live free with with Tormund and and Ghost is what I want to see. Because Ghost has got no love this season. Um, Sansa, I've said since like season three or four, what a long time ago, that she was going to be the Queen of the North. Uh, who's going to be on the Iron Throne if there is one? Uh, I mean, I don't even know if there is an Iron Throne now since King's Landing got sacked. So, sure. Uh, who's if there is an Iron Throne? If she, for whatever reason, that's still a thing, and she takes it to Dragonstone. However, uh, I. Tyrion? 
but I don't know how they give it to Terry. <laughs> you know, like uh, it could be some curveball, some. But but I mean, I don't know. He's lucked his way through the. I've, that was my reason a couple episodes ago when we talked about it was that he's lucked his way. You know, through his wit and his his he's clever. He's very clever. Uh, but like he's not gunning for the throne. So. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know if that's what you're asking. Who's going to be on the throne? I'm not sure. Let's let's put yeah. let's put Bran on the throne. <laughs> I, I told I told that to my friend. I was like, yeah, let's just let's screw it. Like let's throw Bran on it, and then he can just tell everybody like <laughs> how it's going to be. Like <laughs> I don't know. All right. So I'm I'm sticking to the Arya's dead theory. I okay. would love that to happen. That's my number one. I mean, if they do that, that's mind blowing. No one will see it coming. It, you know, only these crazies like us. And then we'll be like, yeah, see? But I don't think it will really happen. But I'm going to predict that Arya's dead. Uh, John will find her body. I think that would be an amazing catalyst to go after Danny yep. Because now not only is she a, a conqueror and killed all those innocent people, which he's not okay with. If you kill his sister, no, it's over. Like, it's there's, there's blood that needs to be, you know. Exactly. I just wish they didn't show Arya in that preview. I really wish they didn't. I know, and that's why I don't even watch previews. But I know everyone's been talking about them. So. Yeah. Um, Sorry so, if I ruined that for no, you. No, it's no. I've it's already been. I mean, I don't know. I, I I may have even watched it after an episode one time. I didn't pay much attention, but I was like looking for the after the scene stuff. And I think on the second watch, yeah, I think it did just come up. So anyway, but uh, so John sees Arya dead. That's the catalyst to actually kill Danny, not just stop her, but like he's out for blood. Um, I'm going to actually say that, T- oh, and I think Tyrion is going to have to answer for oh, yeah. failing his queen one more time. Oh, for sure. He, I think so, he'll, he'll escape out of, I hope he does. I hope they don't kill Tyrion after all this time. Like, so, I mean, I would like them to not kill Tyrion and I, I think maybe that would be a, like one step too far. So in my heart of hearts, like, I don't think they'll kill Tyrion. But my logical brain is saying, well, Danny said, I mean, it's all foreshadowing. Like we've seen this whole season for different things. Uh, she foreshadowed, you fail me, fail me again, and it will be your last time. Yeah. And Tyrion, she told Tyrion they had Jamie, which I think she did on purpose to test his loyalty. And when she finds out that, Ooh, that makes sense. he betrayed her and yeah. set him free, I think she will you know, sentence him to death. Um, I do think she will kill him, and I think that will be another catalyst for John. Oh, I think John will try to, not my to intervene. I know, and so maybe <laughs> maybe he won't. And so, like again, I don't really think they will, but I I could see it happening because of the way she is, and I think that would make it that much more egregious. You know, her quote unquote crimes and all that. It, it's going to show how harsh she is. So Tyrion dies, um, but John ends up killing Danny. Uh, but I'm going to say John dies too. John's Ooh. already been dead once. He was brought back to save. Uh, maybe, but that's the but that's the thing though. It's like John shouldn't even be alive. He already got a second chance, and look at everything he's done. Yeah. And I mean, for the better, he saved the world. He served his purpose. The Lord of Light brought him back. The Lord of Light brought kept bringing Beric back to life to you know get everyone to where they were, and then he eventually died. John was brought back to life to serve a purpose, and that purpose is done. And I think John is going to die. I think I think he will die killing Danny. I think they will die together. I think it will be tragic. Yeah, you know, I think it will be a very tragic 
sad moment, but I think they'll both die together. Okay. And then I, I think Sansa will then take the throne. I think they've been building up Sansa's mm. whole redemption arc and her, yeah. you know, becoming stronger, more powerful. I think Sansa will take the throne. I still um, like if, her in if, the North, but yeah. yeah, I know, but I think they're building her up to be the first real, I mean, I guess Daenerys has been the queen for 10 minutes, but <laughs> I think they're building up Sansa to be the real first female okay. ruler, like like female queen that people respect and kind and, and just and all that stuff. Um, makes me um, miss Marjorie. I know if, if Tyrion was and yeah. And I mean, queen, like, Oh, I know. In, like in, yeah, in yeah. controlled queen, sure. not the, you know, King and his queen. Um, if Tyrion is alive, then I think he'll rule with Sansa or maybe, uh, maybe Tyrion will rule the North and Sansa, the seven kingdoms or, you know, uh, something like that. But I do think Sansa is ultimately going to be the queen of, the realm. Um, I would like to see Tyrion wither though, because I mean, I do think they kind of hinted at that and, and them having a nice moment down in the crypts. Sure. Uh, and I think Bran will uh, go into a tree just like the old <laughs> yeah. three. I Raven. seriously, yeah. I, no, I think yeah. Bran, that's where he belongs. He just has to, all his duty is to sit there and record and observe and keep track of history. And I think, uh, I mean, just like the one before him, I think he's going to just uh, go off and, and do his thing in the forest. And, uh, yeah. And, and I think, uh, with Arya being dead, I think maybe it's going to be kind of a, um, like you said, I mean, if she is death, I think she'll kind of linger around and be like kind of a, I don't want to say force ghost, but you know, there, but not really there. (laughs) There's gotta be a a Stark in Winterfell though. I mean, if John, well, John's not, he doesn't have this, he is a Stark, but he, he never, he didn't grow up with Stark name, but I guess the North respects him. So like he could go back to Winterfell. Uh, that's why I kept saying Sansa well, was going to be there. But. Maybe Tyrion Stark. If Tyrion survives, maybe he'll become a Stark from marriage and she'll be the queen and he'll be Tyrion Stark. How does that work? <laughs> well, I mean, I, this, if, if there's, I mean, Progressive is having a female ruler of the Seven Kingdoms, I then guess. I'm sure a guy can take no. a woman's last name. <laughs> no, I, I got Tyrion... Uh, if he doesn't get the Iron Throne, Lord of Casterly Rock. Uh, Tyrion's not going to take the Iron Throne. Uh, I don't man. know, man. I'm... Tyrion is not going to get the, the Tyrion of okay. all people. All right, then he's going to be the Lord of Casterly Rock okay. if he's not I, dead. Y- uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I love Tyrion, and I think he's a great character. I think he's very smart. What about Bronn? Is he going oh to get Highgarden? Well, Bronn gets, obviously, he gets all those three castles or whatever they promised him. Okay. What, Lance Royce pays his debts, is yep. that right? Yeah, and I think he was promised Highgarden, right? He was promised High, but he was promised one before that, too, the right? Riverland, he was promised, yeah. He was promised one, and then maybe it was just Highgarden, maybe because it was an upgrade. It I was, was an like, upgrade. I, I think it was the Riverlands yeah. and then a high, upgraded to Highgarden. But the most okay, important so. question, I think everybody that's listening to this wants to know, what about Hot Pie? <laughs> Hot Pie is going to open up a franchise in all Ooh. of the Seven Kingdoms. Oh, wow. He is going to franchise out and have his bakery uh, cafe and uh, one on every corner. Oh, okay. Wow. What's it going to be called? Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm in. No. Hot pies. Hot pies? Yeah. All right. I, I think that's pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad you didn't go with hot pie on the throne. I thought that's where we you were know, ultimately heading. Why not at this point? <laughs> like, I, I really don't know. I really expect Danny to be dead. Uh, I John doesn't want it, and I he wouldn't be happy there. Um, Tyrion, yeah. I feel like you could make some case where he would be... You know, he would find a way to make it work. Sansa makes sense if if she wasn't maintaining the North. And I I I don't 
disagree with people who pick Sansa there because I feel like, yeah, I mean, she she's going to be queen of something. It's the North or, or the Realm. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm really well, curious with 80 minutes what they're what they're going to give us and, and how it's oh, all going to play out. And then how different it's going to be in the books, too. Like, I, it's... Well, let's yeah. let one thing at a time. I, know, I mean, I know. George isn't even done with book six, six yet. yet no. So, and then he's got he's a whole too busy working seven, on right? spinoffs. So, Come on, man. I know. Come it's on, like, it, it, Mr. I Martin. feel bad for the guy because it's like I know he has a life and other interests and all that, but it's like sure. every time he does anything, people are like, "Yeah, that's great. How about those books?" It's crazy I, watching that video I referenced. I'll see if I can pull it up so you can so you can uh, link yeah. to it or whatever and watch it. But like the passion that he had when talking about his book series and and his. Uh, his inspirations and just like this, like a nine, 10 minute video of him just talking about what his books are about and stuff. And, and the time that he takes, cause he's been writing them since the seventies. Like the first book came out in, I think in 96 maybe, but he yeah, started, the first, uh... he started it like the idea of putting it all together in like the seventies is what he said. And in all the detail that he wants to do the story that he wants to tell. And this is when he only wanted to do six books. This was before it was seven. Okay. And uh, like just that passion. I was like, man, if, if he just, reignite that and finish these finish these books and like i'd be so happy we'll see what happens uh at the time of this recording i don't know if this is going to go up tonight it may go up tomorrow so we have three days from this recording or maybe two days from when this airs to yeah. find out there's one episode left brad not one episode of the season one episode of the series it's crazy like, it's over it's a decade almost a decade of watching this show it all comes down to this and so yeah. they set up quite the finale they 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 set up quite the amount of uh threads and storylines to be paid off and i don't know how they're going to do it but uh it'll be interesting yep. that's for sure we can't wait We'll be here to talk about it. So sorry, again, excuse the voice and excuse the being a few days late. I'm just happy we, we could record one. I really didn't want to skip a week. So hopefully you guys enjoyed our super long, uh, not only review, but theorizing <laughs> and uh, also just our uh, ramblings and rantings about all the, uh, what would you call it? The discourse, the, yeah. the fan base, the um, memes. Yeah, it's a shame. No matter what, it's just a shame that something we've all loved uh, so much has come to this and uh, just, you know. We gotta see how it all plays out, and maybe some of some of our complaints will pay off uh, next episode. Uh, I'm optimistic, so we'll just cross our fingers and see what happens, and hope for the best. So that's right. That's it for this episode. Of course, if you want to uh, suggest these crazy rantings and and rum- <laughs> rambling ons to any of your friends, we'd appreciate it. Uh, tell your friends about show spoilers. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher. Google Play, all that good stuff. You can find us there. Write us a little review. That'd be great. Follow us on social media at all the spoilers on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And Brad, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N, and more active on Facebook in the Real Spoilers group, uh, League of Show Sharers. And you can uh, follow Brad's running, and you can cheer him on as he does all his crazy marathons and running. Uh, He runs more in a day than I do in a year, so bravo to him. Thank you. That was unnecessary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will do it for this time. Uh, The next time we talk to you... Game of Thrones will be over. It's a crazy thought, but uh, we'll be here to uh, give you our reaction and maybe even have a special guest or two. We'll see. Heck yeah. So until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Hot pie for the throne. Hot pie for the throne.